What's up, everybody? Welcome to Calcine Classics, Episode 8. This is a podcast where we discuss the old Coliseum home videos from the World Wrestling Federation. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about Bashed in the USA. Once again, Coliseum home video, World Wrestling Federation product. And today, for the first time on Coliseum Classics, we want to welcome Frank from No Sold, a wrestling podcast. Frankie Fashions, welcome to Coliseum Classics. What up, what up? How's it going? And then, of course, my tag team partner, John Boy, host of No Sold a Wrestling Podcast. How you doing, Johnny? I'm good. I'm ready to get bashed in the I'm USA. Ready to get bashed in the United USA. States. I'm feeling good. Excited. Like I said, episode eight. So last week for episode seven, we discussed Inside the Steel Cage. Um, it was a good one. It was fun. Our biggest thing was um, the lack of complete matches on that one, even though we did definitely get some some really good uh, content out of that. Um, so be sure to check that one out, episode seven. And then yeah. for this one, go ahead, John. You got I was just going to say lots of cool interactions. Uh, Frank Piper and Bruno in a steel cage. Oh, cool. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Prime Piper. Just about, but um, Savage was mixing it up with Bruno in a steel cage in a tag match with Adonis. Cool things on these Coliseum videos that when you go back and watch, you get the random matches that'll be fun for Frank probably because um, you're going to be surprised at some of the the pairings, right? Like yeah. that you didn't think were ever for sure done. That's my most like that's my favorite part of these really like the weird pairings and the stuff that you didn't get to see on tv um for this one i'm gonna mark out later on i don't want to spoil anything for this one thing that we never got to see on tv as far as i know um frank so you're a little younger than us did you ever watch any of these old calcium home videos like i feel like i've seen some i couldn't like name them like bashing in the usa or whatever but I feel like I watched them back in the day because I definitely had some like VHS tapes, you know, and all that. But it was fun going back into this one just to see guys I loved and guys I couldn't stand super featured. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I thought of you for this one, for sure, because this was before you even were watching wrestling, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. John Boy, this is almost like your prime time, isn't it? Yeah, this was actually one, probably my most watched I've probably seen it three to four times. Oh, wow. This was one of my uh, West Coast video rentals okay. back in the day. So um, this cover also is is iconic to me. So, yeah, this one um, I've known, I, but I did forget about a few of the matches. I don't want to spoil which one specifically, mm -hmm. but when I saw this one coming out, I was like, oh, nice. Uh, I won't spoil it. But, yeah, this one's cool. I think this has actually, for Frank to jump in on this one, it's a good era because there's a lot of his favorites before they were stars whether it's an owen hart or guys you'll see them way before they became who they would become so this is a good one so let's jump right into it so for this one the host is one of our favorites i don't want to speak for you guys but i'm pretty sure we all hold this guy in very high regard mr perfect Post this episode of Coliseum Home Video, Bashed in the USA. And 
the premise throughout the tape will be Mr. Perfect looking for the perfect stamp for his stamp collection. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Mr. Perfect looking for his favorite stamp. Now, John, you're a broadcast journalist. Did Kurt Hennig actually collect stamps? Something tells me, well, I'm a mark, especially for this era. So something tells me he was uh, legitimately. See, the thing about these these uh, Coliseum videos, they would always have a through line. There would always be something in the background, whether they're at like a saloon or they're at a zoo or you name it. Mm -hmm. This time it's Mr. Perfect out on the road at his you know, stamp collecting store. Although it could have been a, uh, Frank, you might be able to help me out. This looked like it could be like a mock staged stamp. Like in the in the uh, warehouse of the WWF for all yeah, we know. dude, it looked like a pawn shop. I, I was like, what, that, was a, that's yeah. what I thought too. Yeah, it was like a big old, and it was a big space too for <laughs> for what he was trying to accomplish. Too. I was like, man, this place. They, they gotta have good. the perfect stamp in there. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> they well, we're gonna find out by the end of this tape if they actually did. Frank, I know that you're a big stamp collector too. Did you <laughs> see any stamps like in this first segment that really caught your eye? I didn't. I didn't notice. But I will say these segments were some of my favorite parts of this, this whole episode. You know, I, I look yeah. forward to these little perfect intermissions. Yeah, it's funny. Perfect intermissions. So our exactly. first match, speaking, you were talking about uh, some of Frank's favorites. This first match features one of them. Mm-hmm. It's the big boss man taking on Razor Ramon. Frank, I believe he was number two all time for you. Is that correct? Number two. Number number two, yeah. Mm-hmm. So Scott Hall, of course, rest in peace to both these gentlemen now, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, this match takes place from Green Bay, Wisconsin, and it is your commentators are Gorilla Monsoon and Lord Alfred Hayes. During this, uh, this videotape, it seemed like Alfred was trying to play a little bit of the heel. Did you guys catch that? Yeah. He where was, he really sure. wasn't that like previously mm-hmm. um alfred's a guy that as we watch these videos he's gotten he's risen up on my list because there's one thing like he gets really into it and he gets he like very passionate about yeah. the stuff going on in the ring so like i really enjoyed that um so i'm looking forward to hearing more from alfred as we go along real quick something funny john i don't know if you even realize but i'm a dork we were playing uh, the greatest wrestling game of all time, No Mercy, for Nintendo 64 just a few weeks ago. And we had a Royal Rumble. We had like a 90s version of No Mercy that I made. And uh, two of these gentlemen were in the final four. Oh, yeah, they lost right. and Razor Ramon along with uh, Adam Baum and Lex Luger. Oh, so yeah. I know you guys are really excited to hear about that. <laughs> so Razor comes in arguably like the coolest wrestler ever mm-hmm. you can definitely make that case uh he flirts with mike mcgurk the ring announcer but the moves on hilarious. it put the yeah. moves on mike McGurk. and yeah lord alfred hayes is like oh i think she likes it you know playing it mm-hmm. up so go ahead and get into this guys go ahead frank i mean for me it was just cool to see razor coming out to start the show i was like okay you know this is right up my alley mm-hmm. of course he's going against boss man which you know not one of my favorites to watch but you know i thought it was cool dude and i see people like i was like looking up you know old reviews of this tape and they kind of like roast this match but like i don't know i just thought yeah, it was cool. yeah yeah they did and i would both two ever two reviews and they both kind of roasted it um i just thought it was 
fun to see Razor, you know? And I was impressed how big he looked with the, in there with uh, Boss Man. Because I always just think of Boss Man as a real big dude, especially old Boss Man, you know? And, like, Razor was like, yeah. I was like, you're a, you're a monster. Um, super cool, though. Just see, they didn't, you know, they didn't do a whole lot. But uh, I thought it was cool interaction. And I just think I'm a, I'm a Razor Mark. And, like, as this goes on, there's not... There's some cool stuff, don't get me wrong, but like I enjoy this way more just because I, I enjoy seeing Razor, I guess, and especially after, you know, his passing, I think I'm even yeah. more nostalgic than ever, you know, so good start but that's, for me. Yeah, yeah, and that's what it's all about, you know, yeah. it's all about what you like in wrestling. John, before I turn it over to you, I do want to touch on, yeah, Razor's size, you know, he was a big dude, man, like. He was like six, 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 seven, like legit, I think. And he was always a dude that was in really good shape, especially in the WWF. Like when he went to WCW, he was still in good shape, but he kind of like, I felt like lost some mass, but like here he's, he's jacked, man. So yeah, like two, like kind of like giant dudes facing off. Um, Real quick before I send it to you, John, did you notice the referee was the man that called oh, it right yeah. down the middle? Referee Bill Alfonso. John, what do you got? I thought, I thought Frank would really get a kick out of that. Yeah, yeah I did. I did. I did. I forgot, <laughs> but I did. That was cool. Yeah, no, they talked about his physique, uh, Scott Hall, Razor Ramon's physique. And I think Monsoon mentioned how he's like the perfect wrestling shape or he's like the perfect mm -hmm. body of a wrestler. Anyway, they were putting his look over big time. But um, no, I love that this was um, and this was a theme throughout the less is more thing. There was like three minutes before the lockup just taking time, building anticipation, but just showing those character elements, which is what mm -hmm. this generation was about. You know what I'm saying? And this is what you got to remember if you're a new fan watching this old school stuff is uh, this was enough to get the crowd into it, just kind of playing possum mm -hmm. or or Razor being the cool heel that he was. You know, their little nuances, I think, was um, really fun to see. And once again, you, you talk about like a, the peak time for my fandom this is it and all the all the boxes were checked for me so i enjoyed this as well and i do want to ask uh duke this is nearing the end of the boss man's run sort of in the wwf so uh it was interesting to see him i won't spoil the finish here but it wasn't necessarily as competitive as some other boss man matches he had had yeah um also like i feel like this was kind of like one of those matches like we talked about on um inside the steel cage where you know piper versus bruno it was almost like two different generations like facing mm -hmm. off here because like mm -hmm. obviously you know boss man would wrestle for years to come he would eventually come back to the wwf you know in a whole not a whole different gimmick but sort of a different gimmick um and then you know razor obviously goes on and forms the nwo but i thought it was like for a lot of this videotape it was kind of like the two generation like matchup you know like mm -hmm. it felt like a kind of transitional period did you guys feel that way like because like i don't think of razor ramon and big boss man like together you know this is a rare uh occurrence here. this is mm -hmm. something you would only see in like a video game or in a mm -hmm. in your in your mind but seeing them mix it up it it almost feels off there's some overlap with guys like boss man even like guy like bam bam bigelow where you're like oh they were around for that era like mm -hmm. and this was this was one of them I guess with, for me, it's like, I agree. Like, you don't think to see, and I don't think of the big boss man in this blue shirt gear. You know what mm, I mean? Exactly. But I do, I do think of Ray Trailer mm -hmm. being in the NWO. Ray who? Yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. So 
you know, so I think I always do kind of have Scott Hall and them sort of adjacent in a way, but like mm-hmm. the big boss man character, I think of fighting, like being in there with Hogan and guys like that, you know, and not this generation of, you know, superstar that the WWE was headed toward WWF. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Fine. Like, like you said, it wasn't, you know, it's not this like Matt classic, but mm-hmm. when you like the guys involved, it certainly is going to raise it. your you know, your enjoyment level for it. So that's all that counts. You know, we talk about it all the time. Pro wrestling can be a lot of different things for different people. You know, I think that some things should always be in place, but like it, when your guys on, like you're obviously going to be more into it. So to, to spoil the ending, it was Razor Ramon. So big boss man charges him in the corner. Razor gets those big legs up, boot to the face. Boss man falls down. Razor Ramon. They said he put his feet on the rope. I didn't see anything personally. I don't know if you guys did, but uh, Gorilla said he got the feet on the ropes. One, two, three, your winner, Razor Ramon. I didn't. He got out of there. He got out of there right away. Yeah, man. Do he's He's not there to hang out. He had to get (laughs) his gold chains, and he had. He probably had several dates that night. Exactly. John Boy, yes. we like to rate these matches. We are broadcast journalists. What do you got for this one? Would you well, this one? Uh, like I'll tell Frank and anyone listening, you know, we rate these on the, the Coliseum video scale, meaning this isn't the WrestleMania scale. This isn't, you know, the big uh, Starcade set, uh, scale or whatever you want to call it. It's just a home video scale. And for me, this kind of thing I've come to expect rewatching these and even knowing these from when I was a kid is you're going to get interesting interactions. You're going to get sometimes shorter matches. You're going to get sometimes matches that are shown only partially with this being said, this was at least a full match. A lot of it was stalling, but I like that stalling because it also gives the commentators time for their banter to build the characters, develop the characters, which I do think is missing today. With that said, uh, I like this enough to give it a solid 5.5 out of 10 and uh you know heels cheat to win back then sometimes they do now but um you know we'll see i i actually like i said i didn't see any cheating we'll move on to frank okay would you would you rate this it's fair i gave the match a five out of ten you know if you're there for for wrestling there's not gonna be a whole bunch of it but it's cool you know it's cool to see razor i think boss man did what he had to do I liked how Razor finished that match, got out of there, played up to the crowd. At the same time, just effing them off as well. So I thought it was a cool little little uh, little matchup to start. Yeah, we seem to all be on the same page about this. You know, when Razor's involved, it's enough to you're gonna get an automatic like probably one or two extra mm-hmm. on the on the grade. So I I gave this one a five out of ten. Mm. You know, it's not like you got to go seek this match out, but like you said, John, like the the taking your time thing, you know, letting the fans enjoy it, you know, and like, you know, yell at Razor to get back in the ring and stuff like that. Like you said, the commentators get their stuff in. So, yeah, man, it's something that's, you know, sadly, it's we're losing it. But it's a commentary on society. You know, we mentioned this last week, but everything's faster paced. That's just the way it is. And with wrestling back then, they could really let these things breathe. I think there are a lot of these wrestlers will tell you how Pat Patterson would tell them, to you know take 20 
you know, 20 seconds longer than they normally would take to sell something because it, it helped. It helped for them back then. They thought slower was better. And um, for me in this match, I think, Frank, you said it a while ago, maybe even on our favorites list, like just Razor in the ring versus anyone. You'd watch that over a lot of stuff like just razor's mm -hmm. presence razor's interactions like sometimes that's all it's all we want as fans of the wrestler you know just to see them and and let them get their quote-unquote shit in you know yeah enough yep so after that one we go back to mr perfect he's still you know searching for the perfect stamp and uh coming back from that match he reflects on his time with razor ramon he does fail to mention how they were Former AWA World Tag Team Champions, however, they like were team. Yeah, Kurt Hennig and Scott Hall. Look that up, guys, if you want to mm -hmm. see something interesting. Uh, Scott Hall with his Magnum TA look, always mm -hmm. a jacked up dude, and always looked like a million bucks. Crazy Jack Ben too. He yeah. looked even crazier then. He just looked he like did. a big brawny man. Yep, he's got his big perm going on. <laughs> uh, so he's reflecting on his time with Razor. Uh, we see some. Survivor Series 1992 highlights. Um, on Peacock, I did get tricked, boys, because when you click on Bash in the USA, there's a Mr. Perfect and Razor Ramon graphic. Did you guys notice that? Mm -hmm. And I've never it's... seen this mm -hmm. videotape, unlike you, John. So, mm -hmm. like, I was like, oh man, I was like, this is the cover. Worked, this is actually I worked the cover myself of the... into a shoot. Oh, it's that a, was that's a cover of it, and it's okay. just a, it's just a screenshot of their Survivor Series match. Obviously, yeah. spoil it, but that's just a screenshot of their match in the tag I got match. Work, man, so, I yes. got work. Perfect with the cool black singlet with the yeah. uh, one and only Tommy wore that. Yeah, isn't that funny? Um, so then after that, we're gonna head into a big six man tag team match featuring the Native American Tatanka. And high energy taking on Rick the Model Martel and Money Incorporated. Our commentators are Darrell Monsoon, Lord Alfred Hayes. Real quick about high energy, just on a personal note, this is funny. So, way back in the day, obviously, when high energy was around, when I was in school, um, my buddy Mel, who's a black dude, we used to call ourselves high energy because. <laughs> There were there were no tag teams with a white dude and a black dude. This was yeah. actually a rare thing, which is crazy. Like when you think about that, but he'll still, you know, we're like Facebook buddies and we talk on social media. Shout out to Mel Harris, comedian Mel Harris. <laughs> um, and we'll still do like, you know, we'll send high energy gifts, you know, and heart and Coca <laughs> beware stuff. So it's just funny. So they always have like a little uh a place in my heart besides Ellen is one of my all-time favorites so yeah mm -hmm. I just thought that was funny so uh yeah man we have like some it's funny you know the WWF at the time like they take these like ring generals and like put suits on them and you know they make one a model and I'm not saying it's wrong you know it's just funny because these are like Rick Martell and yeah. Money Incorporated are like three legit professional wrestlers, you know, technicians, like, like I said, DiBiase, like a ring general, you know, maybe not as technically yeah. sound as uh, Mike Rotunda, but I just think that's really funny. And there's a lot of talent in this match. 
So, John, why don't you start us off? Give us your highs and lows before we shoot it to Frank. Okay. Yeah. Uh, a few things on this match. I, I've always thought it was funny, like as a kid, and even watching it back now, like the gimmick, the the IRS gimmick, like for because there's so many kids that was the demographic, and like we couldn't care less as kids about taxes <laughs> or being a tax cheat, yeah, or any of that. You know what I'm saying? But this is how he got his heat, and it's just such a like I want to say like a Vince McMahon thing to like you know, put this heel out there talking about taxes and kids are just so clueless, but that always, <laughs> I always thought that was funny. Uh, but I do want to say about the talent in the ring, DiBiase and Martel though, in the twilight of their careers, like they had already had legendary careers. Oh yeah. Previously before the WWF and then yeah. their runs in the WWF were also great, but um, the gimmicks are everything in the <laughs> WWF. We know that it's nothing new as far as money or I'm sorry, as far as high energy getting saddled with this, gimmick if you want to call it that or this look i never liked it i was never a fan honestly like even as a kid i thought it was the worst choice in attire i'm curious of frank's um opinion <laughs> on the ring attire yeah well yeah. What, what are you curious about you think i might like it it's like you might like checkers bro you might be more <laughs> checkers than me these things are outrageous and especially with coco lifting his pants up to yep. his, like nipples yep. all the time it's just yeah. like oh man you yeah. know, and listen, Coco, not that Coco Beware was ever like the most serious, you know, wrestler out there, but <clears throat> even for him, it's goofy. And then to see Owen in it, it's almost like, oh, man, you know, it's like it's a bit of a bummer. It's funny, period. But it's like just him in that gear. It's like, ah, oh, get some. This was the life. thing, though, right, Um, Duke? Like sometimes guys had to suffer yeah. through some you weren't coming in cool with kick pads like you had yeah. to suffer through some. Crap. And I mean, by the way, like I, you know, in in middle school. I had the hammer pants. I had like yeah, yeah. the Z Cabaricis, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. and they were like higher up, you know, they had like <laughs> a higher waist and then they were tapered. So like, unfortunately, oh you know, nineties fashion is kind of ridiculous. And like, yeah. this is one of those things, you know, where, uh, cause eighties is still kind of cool. Mm -hmm. You know, when, when you see people that yeah dress like the eighties, you know, cause you got like, the punk scene and the rock and you know the rock and roll scene and stuff like that like denim but like this yeah there's no there's no defending those ridiculous pants with the with the suspenders it but like i said yeah for <laughs> sure and like i said i do have like a fondness for it just because like you know my yeah, buddy yeah, yeah. and i used, to, yeah, used yeah. to do that so with that said i think I'd rather see this ring attire on a wrestler than what kevin owens wears to the ring every day. <laughs> yeah, fair enough that's my only uh but yeah did, dude go ahead go ahead. no i was gonna say i did think it was cool seeing dibiase and owen in there starting it off like starting yeah. things out you know like i uh i guess with the guys involved i um maybe expected just a little bit more you know like of things that happen in the match but you know the little interactions like i said dibiase in there i thought was cool owen cleaning house later i thought was cool you know uh coco beware underrated drop kick i think like oh, all time you absolutely, know what i mean dude 100 yeah. percent. so sort of like you know is i thought it was fine. i'm not a tatanka guy mm. i'm not an irs guy i know like you guys are you know mm -hmm. but so you know those guys didn't do it but the mod seeing the model was cool like you guys said the gimmicks are ridiculous especially the model and irs like when you see them out there because it's just like it's super cheese but you know it is <laughs> the model the model though we love it 
to his credit, um, he was getting a little older. Like this wasn't mm-hmm. the uh, like the handsome model. <laughs> get the model like three years before. I mean, he yeah, was yeah. really selling the gimmick. Like he was yeah. coming out. I didn't even think he had the arrogance here. Did he, Duke? He didn't have he did. the arrogance. He, he did. Did he have the arrogance? I thought he just had the. Uh, Maybe he didn't. But he might have, we see him yeah, again uh, later. Yeah. Maybe he had the arrogance with him the second later, go around. Yeah. Maybe that's yeah. what I'm thinking. I I actually don't remember. I'll be honest. Um, but you remember that this is a later model, obviously, for sure. A little later. Yeah, here. yeah, um, for sure. Because this is like, this is leading up to that big intercontinental title battle royal. Oh, I love that. Yeah, which is super awesome. Um. It's funny because uh, I like Tatanka, I do, but I feel like he was the least, like, good wrestler, wrestler in the match, like, as mm-hmm. far as, like, skill goes. Your talent. You think he was, uh, I guess he's probably a less, less of a worker than Coco Beware, even at this point. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Coco was good, man. Like, like you mentioned his dropkick, Frank. That was the first guy I ever saw do a dropkick off the top rope. Oh, oh yeah, that and that thing. blew my mind. And he mm-hmm. used to do the Ghostbuster too, which was right. awesome, mm-hmm. Brainbuster. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I like Coco actually, especially when you know retroactively when you go back and watch, it's like, damn, he's actually like really good. Yeah, yeah, know? not but, bad at all. Yeah, um, it's just that you know when you're in there with like huge names, and you know they told us he was a jobber too, so. Mm. When you tell us he's a jobber, that's what we perceive him as. So especially later on. Well, I want to um, ask you guys, because like this is the second match in a row where the pace, uh, it's a more slow pace to the start. And I mentioned like taking your time was par for the course back then. This was like a proven formula back then, a burst of action and then a pause, a wave of action, then a break, you know, like beats in a, in a movie, you know. <laughs> um, and I think that's, fine but for this one maybe because there was um i don't know there like nowadays the spots would be planned out for a six-man tag or trios match like you would have more choreographed like planned things this was like three men working just kind of grinding it out i guess uh the bell rings now it's go 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 but this was a little slower pace for the second one in a row so frank were you thinking that this was um like you said, you expected more, I guess, just in terms of the action itself. Not, not, I guess, right? Because, like, I'm not anticipating, you know, five-star classic matches or anything from this show. But it's just when I see DiBiase and Owen, I guess my mind runs a little bit of, like, what it could be, you know, or even the model in there, you know? And But, like, I didn't think it was that slow pace, to be fair. You know what I mean? Because I think when Owen got in there, it mm-hmm. turned up a notch when Coco got in there. It turned up a notch, and I think there was enough of those interactions that it didn't feel as slow. You know, when DiBiase's in there and he's wrestling Tatanka and just, you know, holding him in a headlock, sure. But uh, beyond that, I thought it was, you know, I thought it was fun enough. This matchup, I, I didn't, I didn't feel like it was such a drag or anything. I thought it was a, the pace, appropriate pace for the time. You know, um, yeah, and I, I, I kind of enjoyed it. I just went. I think it could have been a real cool match, and you know, if it wasn't like a house show type of a mm-hmm. setting, mm-hmm. you know. And the older guys, these guys are a little older, I think. Even I still, know. though, I didn't think that the model looked bad or anything. You know, like I thought yeah. they all were fine, and I think Coco and Owen can make them look way better. Tatanka, yeah. he is what he is, but uh, you know, solid, and he's super over. Like watching this tape, you know what yeah. I mean? Like it's great. very over. The uh, at the time, the um. The oh, 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 oh it was very big 
because mm-hmm. of the Braves. So like I feel like they definitely like cashed in on that. And Martel, even though he was older, he still looked good. Yeah. yeah. He was always like he was always like a body guy, really, you know. Yeah. So so at the end of the match, the uh Coco Beware hits IRS with the big atomic drop. IRS goes outside to the apron. Coco is gonna bring him back in for the big suplex. The million dollar man grabs his foot, takes him down. Rick Rude, Ultimate Warrior, Bobby Heenan style. Ref counts one, two, three. The winners of this one. Going home with that winner's purse. Mm-hmm. Rick the model Martel and Money Incorporated. They're gonna take this one home. We gotta go to a rating. Frank, give us your rating for this one. I'm gonna give this one four and a half out of ten. All right. I thought, you know, that's it's sounds worse than it's meant to be. You know, I think it's entertaining. It's fun to see these guys interact. Um, like I already pointed out, Owen Hart, Ted DiBiase highlights for me. I think Coco Beware is a lot of fun in the match. And uh, yeah, it, it, it was, it's like a standard six man to me for the time. You know, I thought it was fun. Yeah, I'm right with you. Five out of 10, just a half a point less than the uh, opener because, well, I feel like we got a more more talent, and I'm a huge Martell guy. But the mixture, the high energy gear, is enough to just distract you. <laughs> it's just so, it's so out of uh, it's such an eyesore. But yeah, five out of ten straight up. I like the. Uh, I'll take the characters over, you know, quote unquote banger any day of the week. Usually, I just like seeing a lot of these guys. Although this one wasn't my favorite group of guys. Heels cheat to win, though. We're at two in a row here. You'll cheat to win. Uh, again, I didn't see anything in the first match, but <laughs> here I did see the million dollar man pull the blind eye. Go right ahead. Um, you so, listen, we go in order, right? That's what we do. Frank four, you five, me six. Oh, I love high energy. I love Money Inc. I love Tatanka. I love the model. This match was a lot of fun. It's not go. this classic ass match that you have to seek out, but when the guys are involved that you like, you're going to like it a little more. So for me, I gave it a 6 out of 10. Start with you guys. We're going to move back to Mr. Perfect. (laughs) He is still searching for the perfect stand. A lot of fun interaction with this poor uh, sales associate, we'll call her. Mr. Perfect kind of uh, giving it to her a little bit. Uh, like you said, Frank, this was like some of the highlights of the the For tape. Sure. Him just like <laughs> And that lady was funny. She was giving it back was. to him. You know, she yeah. was going back like it was funny. Yep. I wonder like how many takes they did, you know, mm-hmm. if they were laughing or stuff, because Kurt, you know, was known as a big jokester and stuff. Yeah. But it's funny because he's like a good guy here. Good guy. And yeah, he's yeah, like yeah. still kind of like a jerk, which good is funny. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're kind of like going into that. You know, we're transitioning now into that era. Then we're going to go to a personal profile. Frank, I thought of you immediately. And I was like, of all the ones to get him started. Exactly. I know his first videotape. We go to a personal (laughs) profile for the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels, just to give you guys, if you're new to listening to Coliseum Classics or No Solder Wrestling Podcast. We did an episode where we rated the top 10 greatest wrestlers of all time. And Shawn Michaels 
did not make your list, Frank. No. I think he would have so, been uh, on a lot of people's lists, to be fair. Uh, I think people rate him, and I think people would have him just outside the top 10. I'm not here to challenge your list. I just wanted to give the, the listeners some context. And uh, your – is disdain the right word for Shawn Michaels? Sure, yeah. That's accurate. So, me and Gene – I'll tell you what. When I see this <laughs> – guy get introed i'm like okay you know i understand right like i understand the game and i don't know if this is a spoiler duke mm -hmm. but they they say the guy's gonna have like three matches they're gonna show like a, several of his matches and i'm like i'm like no nah, they're not gonna do three in a row of this dude or whatever i'm like and then it is that and i'm yeah. like are they ribbing me i was like is this why is like bashing <laughs> i started looking up the order i'm like is this the right order of the tapes are they making me watch this one just oh, that's funny. You thought we did that on Yeah, purpose? I was just like, oh, that's funny. I could see you thinking that. Yeah. I yeah. I thought of you today. I told my friend, I was like, oh my God, poor Frank. <laughs> like completely random, first, I promise. Yeah, I promise, his Frank. first one. His first one, and he's got to watch three Shawn Michaels matches in a row. Um, I actually I like the spotlight things, but like I don't want the same matches you know the mm -hmm, same people mm -hmm. i do like that eclectic you know thing yeah. of matches and like i said i love like the weird matchups but that being said we do get some weird matchups here which oh, i dude. did enjoy yeah so mean gene introduces sean he's talking to sean a little bit they're gonna do a personal profile on sean michaels then we're gonna get a couple of matches from the heartbreak kid sean michaels whether frank wants to admit it or not one of the greatest of all time. Mm. And we start out with Shawn Michaels taking on Kamala <laughs> along with the Reverend Slick. Now, Kamala, when I was growing up, the Ugandan giant, the Ugandan headhunter, this monster, not here, ladies and gentlemen. He has been rehabilitated by the Reverend Slick. He's trying to do the right thing, walk the path, brother. Yeah, if you will. Uh huh. So uh, here we go, Johnny Boy. Let's get into it. Referee Joey Morella, son of Gorilla Monsoon. This is true. Yeah. So these are pretty. Uh, these are random. Obviously, complete. When we did our first Coliseum Classic video, it was a personality profile spotlight on the Bushwhackers. So I definitely, <laughs> you know, yeah. there was some things we had to deal with there. But this one, obviously. I knew it was coming on this one, but I, I was happy to see it again. And it's cool to see Shawn Michaels call a shot like this, like the wrestler of the 90s. It, that's kind of was his shtick, but it came to be um, debatable, I guess. But he really went sky high from here up. And this is the early HBK, though. He was still finding his uh, character out, I guess you could say. And I liked how Perfect called him the toy boy. <laughs> <laughs> he was so like i knew you guys it. i knew you guys wouldn't you know let him get away with that <laughs> no, no. and this is from mr perfect so this is extremely rare you know for a a mistake to be made he he must have meant to said that oh right? no he yeah, did he was accurate he's a toy boy <laughs> yeah i think he was definitely you know but no uh, this was cool the mixture of matches though on this personality personality profile it's like okay kamala and we won't get to the next opponent, but holy moly, it's so random and yeah, very fun random. and different. And now Kamala was a baby face at this point, obviously on Monday Night Raw, which just started around this time. 
yep. they were trying to get the sympathy for this beast. It's a classic thing Vince would do with like beasts turned good guys. I guess it's a Frankenstein. Uh, we literally talked thing. about it last week with Georgie Animal Steel and Gorilla Monsoon. Yeah, twice. Basically. Yeah, in the same episode. Yep. But yeah, um, I, I, as far as the Kamala thing, I, I just remember this uh, from the last time I watched this this VHS. The other two matches I did not remember, but more stalling before the action. And I just think HPK selling his tail off for this guy was was the story. But I'll let you talk about the match too. Well, I want to hear Frank. I know you're, you know, as we mentioned, not the biggest Shawn Michaels fan, so. At this point, are you looking at your phone, making something to eat? No, no, because I guess I'm interested enough because seeing Kamala, because I guess like we talked about with Razor and Bossman, like I I don't think of them as the same time, you know what I mean? Like the same generation, obviously not the same generation of wrestler. So like I was like, okay, I guess this is like a random matchup because I like that. We talk about it on all the shows, you know, when there's a, mm -hmm. any kind of champion versus a cool random dude, it's always cool or whatever. So yeah. You know, I was interested, but then you see Kamal and then you go, okay, yeah, you know, like, you know what it's going to be like right away. Um, seeing Slick out there too. I always <laughs> like Slick, but then I watch this match and I'm like, what does Slick even do? What does Slick do? You know what Baby I mean? Face like, Slick don't do anything. Yeah, Baby I know. I'm like, well, he's, so, got, you know, he's got to keep the, he's got to mm -hmm. keep them on the right path, brother. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, no, you know. It is what it is. It's, I mean, obviously, it's not a Matt Classic either. I don't love the dude, but it was interesting from an oddball matchup standpoint. Yep. Which is cool. You know, I, yeah. I, I really enjoy that stuff. And like you said, John, we have a, a few interesting ones upcoming. So we don't want to spend too much time on all these, you know, we got three Shawn Michaels matches to talk about. So at the end of this one, it ends up double count out. Kamala doesn't really understand it slick i think fails him here because mm -hmm. he doesn't explain the rules to him yeah. yeah so he rolls he rolls him back in he rolls sean back in he hits the big splash this is something that i always like though kamal instead of giving him the body splash where you know the guy's laying on his back he does it on his stomach mm -hmm. and then he tries to pin him mm -hmm. and i always thought that was just a cool little thing like he didn't understand and then yeah, slick yeah. had to tell him turn him over you know oh, i always man. thought that was a neat little thing once again, like the little nuances that we enjoy in uh, pro wrestling. So Kamal ends up just chopping Sean out of the ring. Sean, you know, he's heading to the back, but he forgets his belt. He's got to go back. He's got to get the IC strap. He grabs it. This is a moral victory for Kamala, however, because Gorilla Monsoon said so. This one ends in a double count out. We're going to grade this one. I'll start. Whoever wants to go next, feel free. I gave this one a five out of ten. Nice average match. You know, two guys I enjoy. Maybe this this version of Kamala, excuse me, isn't my favorite. But again, these weird matchups, I just enjoy them a lot. So, what you guys? What do you have for this one? I I gave it a three point five out of ten. You know, again. Sounds worse than it's how I mean it. You know what I mean? But uh, mm -hmm. random, fun enough. You know, Kamala is what he is, especially at this point. You know, Sean's doing his thing. Sean came out with the blue IC strap, I want to point out, too, which yeah. I thought was cool. 
And he yep. didn't have that belt in, you know, like the little interview segments. It was the black strap ones. I just thought it was yeah, interesting. Yeah, it switches yeah. during these matches. Too. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that is beautiful. Man. I just wanted to say that. But uh, yeah. cool the belt design. But yeah, no, he's, you know, random match, giant monster versus little, you know, little quick scrappy guy. But uh, <laughs> it was cool enough. It is what it is. Yeah, I'm a cool Bret Hart four out of 10. It's, um, like Frank said, it sounds a little worse than it is, but I gotta say, like the size of Kamala is underrated as like a a giant. Because we always talk about, we did an episode on giants or big men, and we probably yeah. didn't mention Kamala, but by all means, like he probably should be. He's he's a really big. It's in his name, that's true, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's towering over Sean, and just like yeah. Sean, it's. I know Sean was a little guy back then, but um. Yeah, Kamala was such a big presence, but it was fun. I I don't I never got babyface Kamala like I knew what Vince was trying to do. But even as a kid, once again, I just didn't I didn't buy in. I didn't buy into. Yeah. Um, it was almost like he was. Um, this was a weird time, like Boss Man being in this era. Kamala yeah. being in this era feels. Just talk about rubbing elbows with different generations. Kamala, very yeah. interesting career. I mean, Kamala wrestled in the seventies, man. Right. That's what I mean. Yeah. You know, like we just saw him. On inside the steel cage, taking on Andre the Giant. You guys need to check that out for sure. Very cool. Andre really showcases how crazy talented and agile he was, you know, in his heyday. Um, but yeah, man, it it is interesting how and like when you watch that match, it looks so old, mm-hmm. you know. So to think of Kamala in the nineties, right. it's just yeah, it is interesting. But like we said, it was kind of like a transitional period almost for the WWF because we're like sure. kind of pushing these old timers out and all the young bulls are coming in now. So you guessed it. Up next, another Shawn Michaels, another Shawn Michaels match for this profile. We head back to Gene. He talks to Shawn again. He mentions his next opponent, which is so weird. Yeah. Shawn Michaels defends the Intercontinental Championship against Skinner, ladies and gentlemen. Such a weird thing, like two bad guys, because Skinner certainly wasn't a babyface. Do you guys think they were testing to see if Shawn could get over as a babyface here? I think it might be the other way around. You think Skinner? Yeah, because uh, the commentary lended to point out the valiant effort Skinner had in this match without mm. spoiling the ending, they were really putting over like the hard fought battle that Skinner put up and things like that. So who knows? Right. I mean, I remember pictures of this ma- match from like a magazine or like a battle of the Titans or whatever it would be in the magazines, but um, rewatching or seeing it again, uh, I couldn't put my finger on why these two were paired up so random, but yeah, cool. This is what I like to see on these shows. I mean, you never know, too. It could have been something as simple as, like, somebody got sick. Right. Somebody right, missed yeah. their flight. Yeah, yeah. Somebody missed their bus. Whatever it was, you know. But for me, I was actually, like, excited to see these guys. Um, I always think about when I see, like, two guys lock up their history and stuff like that. And, like, you know, Steve Kern, Skinner, former member of the Fabulous Ones, Shawn Michaels, former member of the Rockers, mm. the Midnight Rockers, and the AWA. So I start to sort of like think of all that kind of stuff. Um, so I was like, oh, this is kind of cool, you know. Uh, for this one, we get Jim Ross 
the Macho Man Randy Savage and Bobby the Brain Heenan on commentary. So a little bit different flavor. Even the commentary teams, you start to, you know, kind of transition now. Um, like you said uh, about the Intercontinental title, the blue one, Frank, Sean's rocking that again. Mm-hmm. Like the baby blue IC strap. Um, mm-hmm. I do want to mention about Steve Kern, like the guy was a very good, like solid yeah. technician in the ring. Uh, like I mentioned, member of the fabulous ones. Um, he actually played Doink for a bit. He played uh, a black heart. Um, he was even in WCW very briefly mm-hmm. in uh, the mid to late 90s he teamed with beautiful bobby of the midnight express and it was like literally a cup of coffee they were Mm -hmm. a team called bad attitude which you know they barely made it to tv but i always thought that was kind of cool like a member of the midnight express and a member of the fabulous ones and then he becomes um you know he he went and became a trainer for florida like fcw he had uh, ties there. So Steve Kern, definitely like an underrated, I think, um, guy in like the history of pro wrestling. And in this yeah. one, he's going to get a shot at the Intercontinental title. What do you guys think about this match? I wanted to say about Skinner, yeah. too. I've never not kind of liked Skinner in a weird way. I know it's it's like a weird thing because like the gimmick obviously is silly and all that. But like he's one of the guys when I watch old WWF stuff. And I see Skinner come out, I go, oh, Skinner, you know, and I kind of like hope this is his night in a way in my head, you know, even though like, <laughs> I know that night never comes. And like, it's sort of like with this match, that's how I felt. And Duke, you asked if they were trying to like who if they were trying to test uh, HBK as a babyface. And it's like, I don't know. I want to say, yeah, though, and disagree with John Boy just because he came out full douche, but it kind of like tapered down and like Skinner's like fighting with the referee Earl. So, like, I don't know. I just don't know who's supposed to be what in this matchup. But I think it's a fine little match because I think Skinner, Steve Kern is solid, you know, and I think Shawn Michaels is who he is, you know. So it's like the match is going to be all right. It's not super short, you know, nothing spectacular. But I like I think I think Skinner can handle himself in there like he's an old pro. So it's sort of Mm -hmm. like it's going to be reliable when you see him. And that's how I felt watching. I was like, okay, good Steve Kern match. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Steve Kern, like when you look at him as Skinner, it's another guy that Vince put a gimmick on that was a respected pro wrestler, whether it was from Florida or Continental or whatever. Steve Kern was a respected sort of ring general, like you said, Duke. And here he is with a gimmick, a character. And that's what it took back then for for you to kind of get over or, or get TV time or get a chance. So I respected, um, you know, the attempt with Steve Kern, but I think it was a little late in the game for him. Steve Kern just celebrated his 72nd birthday like a week or two ago. So mm-hmm. he's, you know, he's been around the game for a while. And even at this point in 1993, he was, you know, he was up there as, as term in terms of his career length. But with that said, um, I just didn't know like which, because I thought Sean wrestled as a heel more in this match, if there's such a thing, whatever, whatever's the case. I think I was a little bit conflicted on what the story they were trying to tell it was just a straight up match. And you might be right, dude, maybe it was a substitute but um, as far as a match and and my interest, I, I was super pumped to see it. It was random. It was fun. And anytime Steve Kern is kind of like like Frank said, Skinner, I know I'm going to be at least interested. It's not like a, a skippable thing for me, like where you check out. I'm 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 always kind of tuned in. So 
I gave this, I'll just give you my rating. I gave this a five and a half out of 10. As far as the spotlight for Shawn Michaels, this was better than the previous match with Kamala, in my opinion. Frank, what'd you rate it? I gave it a four out of 10. Slightly better than the Kamala match as well. Okay. Climbing up. We're all, we're all on the same page. I think it's cool because I didn't know that about you guys, like the respect for mm. Steve Kern. So like, I should I should have known because you guys are smart gentlemen. <laughs> but I think that's cool that like you guys show him some love, you know, like because he is he's done a lot for wrestling. And there's a lot of guys that kind of don't get their flowers, you know, um, a lot of the work behind the scenes and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. You know, I talked to death about Pat Patterson and Jerry Briscoe, who did so much and uh, Chief J Youngblood. No, I'm sorry, uh, Chief J Strongbow. Mm -hmm. I respect him so much. I uh, mess his name up. <laughs> but there's just a lot of guys, you know, these agents and stuff that, uh, you know, that put a lot in that we didn't, you know, see on television, but they had a lot to do with what was going on. So that's cool. You guys should earn some love for this one. I gave it a five out of 10. Like you, Frank, I was like, kind of like, oh, cool. Skinner, you know, yeah, 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 so yeah. weird. Like who's ever said that in their life? But yeah. we did. We is. have. There we, are. we have, uh, and uh, you know, if you you know check in on Punk periodically, like he he always puts Steve Kern over. Like I think he was putting over Steve Kern's book just up cool. until you know before he left AEW. Like he mm -hmm. he's a big Kern guy, and he actually I think he said that 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 book helped him replenish his love for wrestling. Uh, Steve Kern's book, so um, you very think he still loves it. I don't know if he still loves it after this. <laughs> But, uh, you know, I, I wanted to mention guys that Steve Kern has trained, Steve Skinner. Mike Awesome is on the list. Oh, cool. Diamond Dallas Page, he had a hand in helping. Yep. Tracy Smothers. But how about one that could go down as one of the greatest of all time? Roman Reigns, trained yes. by Steve Kern. Yep. Interesting. So there it is. So he's Hey, awesome. and you know what he gave him? He gave him those camo uh or I'm sorry, the cargo pants. Yeah, the cargo yeah, pants. yeah. Cargo pants. Roman still wears them to this day. Yeah, he blessed them with the cargo. So pants. I guess we should talk about the finish, guys. What's that? Shawn Michaels, sweet chin music. Back when he wasn't pressing really using kick. it, hit him pressing with the big, kick. Hit him with the big crescent kick. Took him out. One, two, three. Your winner and still intercontinental champion, the Harper Kid, Shawn Michaels. We send it back to Mean Gene. He's still chatting with Sean. It's the spotlight. We're going to set up another match. Shawn Michaels defending the Intercontinental title. Talk about a fighting champion, Frank. Come on. Defends the title against Virgin. The one and only. The one and only. We've all had funny interactions with him. <laughs> yes. Virgil. Your commentators are Jim Ross, Macho Man Randy Savage, and Bobby the Brain Heenan. Something that I absolutely lost my mind because the brain always cracks me up and it takes like nothing. So he comes out, Sean comes out and his music's playing and the brain starts whistling his theme song. And it's like out of key on purpose, <laughs> you know, just the brain, man, the best. Is this when, um, like, is, sorry to cut you off, is this when Savage smacks him, quote yes, unquote, yes. and Bobby sells it? It's just yeah. funny. And I guarantee you that was Bobby making a sound Correct. on his own leg. Sure. Yeah. And he's like, Savage, why'd you do that? You know, and then of course Macho Man's all over it. 
Brother, I told you not. To yeah, he just right, played right <laughs> along, right? Just like, yeah, of course. Just amazing. You know, Macho Man, underrated commentator. I'm going to say. Yeah, that. definitely underrated. Yep. Um, yeah. I remember in the moment when the Macho Man was on commentary, I was just salty because yeah. I was like, why is he not wrestling? I you can know, imagine. Like, yeah. I was just like pissed that they weren't using him. But mm -hmm. I mean, he had some great interactions. Like anybody that ever won a match, he was running in there, raising their hand, you know, mm -hmm. always putting over guys, always putting over Brett Strong, always on commentary from day one for the hit run. So yeah, my, my two, my two one. top favorites right there. So yeah, Virgil, we won't spend too much time on this one. I wonder. I want to know in the comments, is there anybody that's like this huge Virgil fan? Oh, there's got to be. Everybody's you got think? some one of all these wrestlers got a fan. I mean, your boy, our boy, Ed, uh, big Paul Roma fan, the one and only. Yeah, as but a matter like, of fact, there's a person yeah. in the crowd holding up a Virgil shirt. As yeah, but that's out. that's back in the day. Though. I'm talking about <laughs> well, maybe now, still a like, fan. Still, they, have, they bought the, the shirt. Deal. Yeah, they bought, they bought the, the shirt. shirt. Like even back then, like I was like, I'm not. I'm not in the Virgil. I'll be honest, man. It's cool by association. And when I was a kid and I I visited Survivor Series 91, Virgil was on a team with Rowdy Roddy Piper, Brett the Hitman Hart, and association made me a fan in that moment. Uh, you forgot the British Bulldog. Of course, Davey Boy Smith. Davey Boy Smith. But no, like as time passed, you know, the Vincent stuff and all, it, it became uh, the fall of Virgil, or if you want to call it that, like um, – from what he was given, and Frank, you, I know you're aware of like some mm -hmm. of these big money matches, the few with DiBiase over the million dollar title. Yeah, yeah. Like that was big, big, big time. Yeah. For, for sure. like the events that it was on and the card placement mm -hmm. and like the crowd, the crowd really was behind him. I mean, he was essentially, I'll call it like it is, like he was essentially like a slave turned, like, you know, um, to, to fight against the, the, the guy who was yeah, like, like a holding liberated. him down. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. No, and uh, I like that story. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? But like but beyond this, that, we didn't have it. Exactly. Right? You yeah. know, and that's not even to fault Virgil. It's just that they didn't really do anything with him. Once again, mm -hmm. you tell me he's a job guy. That's what I'm going to believe, you know? And yeah. like after the DiBiase thing, what did he do? Well, because I don't think he was that great beyond that feud because the story was re really interesting. But when he would try to cut a promo or, or at least get it, it wasn't that good. Like yeah. beyond that, you know, it really wasn't that good. So. No, but that I do. I don't want people to think I'm like discounting that story because I'm certainly not because I loved all that. Piper was involved. Right, you know, right. I loved all that stuff. So for sure, you know, and I'm not even disparaging Virgil. I just I don't feel like anybody's out here like, you know, yeah. on their top 10 list. Like, oh, man, Virgil, you know, he's top <laughs> yeah, five for me, bro. Um, <laughs> if he is, I want to know about it for yeah. sure. Anyway, we'll go to the finish before we break this one. So Virgil throws Sean into the into the corner. He goes for that big knee, which we know Virgil's known for. We've seen him do it a million times. Sean moves out of the way. Sean hits him. He locks him up from behind. <laughs> now, this was Shawn Michaels' finisher at this time. It was, I don't even know if they ever named it, but he actually had this in a video game. Do you remember yeah. that? Yep, WWF so Royal like Rumble. This with that under, it was like an underhook, yeah, belly to back suplex. I don't. But really he would know. put. He would like. Oh yeah, he put his. Legs. He yeah, would yeah, underhook yeah. it under your legs, and then Just almost like a backdrop driver. Yeah, but like 
Interesting. With the underhook, it was very weird. Um, obviously, he settled on a different finisher, as we know. Um, so yeah, what, Sean gets that Virgil, in. one that Virgil practically no sold in this match. In this yeah. matchup, by yeah, the back way. then, it, well, it's like current day wrestling, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> I don't want to hear anything. Virgil was no selling exactly. this stuff thirty years ago. Anyway, let's get the rate in this one, Frank. What'd you rate Shawn Michaels and Virgil? I give it four out of ten. Same grade wow. I gave Skinner match. Right. I actually, you know, I think that match actually wasn't that bad. I think Virgil had his working boots on, mm-hmm. as they say, you know. Um, and he did as good as he could do, you know. And like I said, Sweet Chin Music didn't pin him, so good for you, Virg. So I uh, actually preferred this out of the three HBK matches. I gave it a very generous five and a half out of ten. Wow. The near falls with Virgil, I do think he had his working boots on. I think that they, you know, they came to play, if you will. I just think um, never do that again on this program. <laughs> I didn't even realize what I did until <laughs> after I said it. Until you said it. He shouldn't own that catch. He shouldn't own that phrase. But uh that's what we all thought of. Right, sadly. Anyway, um Virgil, you know, I always remember Virgil with those jabs, you know, and I gotta get Frank's opinion on his boxing skills <laughs> if you can. Yeah, um, I I to to me it looked like he was doing the road dog at first. <laughs> that's what I think of his mm, boxing skills, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh you know, not a bad jab though. Very long. You know, accurate. Do you remember when he tagged Diesel in the Rumble? Legit and Diesel. Yeah, yeah. And then Diesel gave it back had to him. give him a receipt. Yeah. Yeah. Duke, what you rate this one? Gave it a solid three out of ten. Oh wow! Oh wow! Is this your lowest yeah. of the three? It is. It is. Yes. Not a Virgil guy. Yeah. That's fair. Not a Virgil <laughs> yeah. guy. I'm never gonna be like invested in. Besides the yo, his music was million cool. dollar man stuff. Oh yeah, it was. I like this music. Um, yeah, just not you know not a big Virgil guy. Like we said, we kind of rate these on what we like. It's our ratings. If you don't like it, I got two words for you. Too bad. We're moving on. Back to Mean Gene to wrap up this profile with Shawn Michaels. Much to your, I would I would have to guess, Frank, you were ecstatic that we were no longer going to see Shawn Michaels, or so I thought. Hey, can I say really quick or ask you guys um, on the subject of themes, Shawn Michaels music? I prefer the Sherry version. 100%. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, it's it's better. (laughs) Yeah. It's just better. Mr. Perfect. He still hasn't found the perfect stamp. Still on the hunt. (laughs) He's still on the hunt. Having his banter. He introduces... The next match, which is a 40 man. Did he say 40? 40 man battle royal, ladies and gentlemen, which is just unheard of at this time. I don't ever remember this happening. Do you, John? This tape. Yeah. This (laughs) this tape, this tape really, um, I won't spoil what happens in this battle royal, but yeah, this put me on to a a certain someone. Mm -hmm. Uh, Barry Hardy. (laughs) Right. So, uh, yeah, we Mike McGurk introduces all these gentlemen. And I don't know if she was reading from like a paper, but I don't think she was because when she was reading, she was just announcing them as they came out. And then Repo Man kind of like ran up yeah, and then she him. saw him and mentioned him. So if she 
introduce them just by looking at them. That's damn impressive, number one. And number two, she called two masked men by their real names. And I don't know if you guys caught that. I don't know. So Dwayne Gill and Barry Hardy were also the executioners, pain Mm. and agony at Mm. this time. And they came out as Mm. pain and agony. And she introduces them as Dwayne Gill and Barry Hardy, like sequentially as they come out. I thought that was super funny. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if she was just like looking yeah. as they came out, but good for her for knowing everybody's name. Just to give you guys an idea of the star power in this 40-man battle royal, Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, Sudden Slaughter, Tatanka, El Matador Tito Santana, the Texas Tornado, lots of enhancement talent, as we'll say, um, Colonel Mustafa, aka the Iron Sheik, which uh, Macho Man called him. <laughs> yeah, called yeah, Sheik, yeah. that's fine. Uh, Crush, Money Incorporated, the Beverly Brothers, the Nasty Boys, Legion of Doom, High Energy, Natural Disasters. I mean, talk about a star studded affair. I was pumped for this. Were you guys like, John, you've seen this? Did you remember this? Yeah, they did a lot of these okay. actually 40 man battle rules uh, on these tapes back then. I remembered one spot in this match, which stuck with me. And when it happened again, I had to pause it, rewind it, and it confirmed what I had dreaded. But, uh, oh, but anyway, into that. Yeah. Um, but I do want to mention, besides all that star power you mentioned, the guys like Reno Riggins, Dale Wolf. Mm-hmm. Chuck Casey, you know, all these legendary There's a good guys. amount of those. Yeah. Exactly. Good amount of, yeah. yeah. To fill up the 40 men, we had some yeah, yeah. Uh, enhancement. The guys. greatest enhancement town of all time. I mean, two of the greatest. Uh, the Brooklyn Brawler, a.k.a. Steve Lombardi and Barry Horowitz. Barry Horowitz right. yeah. Who I think of as like the two goats of enhancement town, personally. Some of these enhancement talents lasted longer than some champions yeah. and mega stars of the yeah. company so let's talk about it so the very first two guys that get eliminated are earthquake and typhoon of the natural disasters quickly the uh the yeah, smaller guys quickly. decided they wanted to eliminate the bigger threats earthquake and typhoon uncle fred right out of there mm. so then we have guys like uh so like you said like reno riggins lasted longer than earthquake you know how many times are you going to say that in your life yeah now? did you guys notice brett the hitman hearts boots in this match <laughs> no i don't think i did specifically did? no yeah so he's wearing different boots in this match hmm. you know how he always wore like the white, white with black and pink mm-hmm. these are just white with pink oh okay Interesting, yeah. And he only ever wore these on these weird, like, Coliseum home videos. I wonder Mm. why that was, but you you have to go back and look, or I'll send you guys a picture. Definitely cool to see, like, um, it's so funny how, like, you get so used to seeing... I pulled it up right now. It's it's odd when you see it. It's odd. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, he would change up the the top and bottom a lot, but he always had Mm. those same boots you know the yeah. white black and pink but yeah i like that we pink. um we give a little fashion in in uh in these oh, yeah. reviews as well we always talk about the attires here come on we're we're all like wrestling attire guys we, we always are. talk about you know what i mean like it's funny what we forgive and don't forgive as attire marks too <laughs> i mean uh we didn't even talk about skinner's attire right no exactly <laughs> like what 
we just hold when hours. you're like a when you're a respected veteran i feel like it's a little different mm-hmm. than like you know when you're trying to hide the fact that you're out of shape you know yeah, I yeah, think, yeah. Uh, like a colonel give... mustafa um you know wearing like the the same eddie kingston gear now it's just like <laughs> bad baggy pants with the <laughs> wrestling well, singlet underneath. i mean colonel mustafa was doing a gimmick where he was like an iraqi soldier Right. Is that what Eddie Kingston is? <laughs> yeah, no. or is he trying to hide his gut? <laughs> hey, mean, yo, Barry Horowitz gear was uh on point in this match, though. Always, he? Barry Horowitz always had good gear, dude. He was ready, you know. He showed up ready. He, I'm gear. dead serious. Like all his gear, when you go back and look, he always matched. He always had like the wingtip boots. I remember he had like the blue with black wingtip boots. I mean. Don't dress for the job you have, right? Dress for mm-hmm. the job that you want. And a lot of these guys, I always thought Jim Powers looked great. Yeah. I thought Reno Riggins was in good shape. He had like yeah, the yeah. dice because he was from Nevada. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you little know things. what I mean? Like yeah. little things like that. Yeah, I thought that was cool. Um, Wait, wait, Frank. What about yeah. Crush, Crush's gear? Where do you stand on <laughs> Crush's gear? The... the yeah, yeah, shorts, yellow and purple. Yeah, it's like the yellow. Yeah, like, the, the, like, the neon. Yeah, yeah. This is like oakley windbreaker yeah 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 i mean and it's crushed dude i talk about a guy you're not a crush about but like yeah yeah, no but he just looks like such a dork to me you know what i mean and it's like when you're a big monster i want you to be tough looking and he just doesn't do it for me so anyway yeah i was a big fan of nostalgic colors though like when you see those colors it screams like 90s and it's like vibrant and stuff like it's cool from that point of view but exactly just on a corny looking dude I was a fan of Kona Crush. That was the only form yeah. of Crush that I liked. So, uh, yeah, we won't. Obviously, it's 40 men. We're not going to cover every elimination. We have to cover one. Anything. Or two, Absolutely, because I want to hear your I want to hear your thing. So go ahead. So. <laughs> the two greatest wrestlers, potentially of all time two of the 90s for sure Shawn michaels bret hart they're tangled up in this match quite often and they're eliminated together during their little scuffle did you guys catch by who i don't think i did well you say it you might remember tell you this right now because this this very act i think solidifies one of these gentlemen duke you already argued so it was two men they came over and eliminated Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart simultaneously. One you've said should be in the Hall of Fame. Triple H said he's in the Hall of Fame, but he's not. IRS. Mm-hmm. Okay. And this other man, I think. Bo Beverly? No, no, no. The Brawler. Yeah. That's oh right. Oh, my God. That's Brooklyn crazy. Brawler eliminated Shawn Michaels right. and Bret Hart from a battle. Yeah, room. yeah. That's wow. right. I did, like, think that for a second. That's why I was like, I couldn't that's spot funny. it. That's yeah. funny. Could you, like. Come on, that's a big time move for a guy Absolutely. like the brawler. And he's also like, did he beat Triple H? Or yes, he did, right? Or did he just fight Triple H? Remember when they had their match on SmackDown? Yeah, I do remember. I, I, don't think, I feel like he like beat him or something. I like, think and... he did beat him. I know he he fought Sean for the title too in New York. Crazy. Um, yeah, like at you know, like a house show as like a special, like uh, you know, I think that's mm-hmm. cool of Sean because yeah. you know he's known as such a prick and like. I think that's neat that he like. I remember with that. Him yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Steve Lombardi. Say, are you going to say you think he should be in the Hall of Fame? Yes. Yes, I do. I agree with you. Like, and that's a whole scope of what he meant to the to the company yeah. and all. I really think this he... is another guy, bro. Like that, 
you know, did so much. He, you know, he was Kim Chi. He was, he played a doink at one point, you know, like that. And a he lot, worked there for a long for time. A long, like, after, yeah, yeah, two decades probably, mm -hmm. you know, and like a lot of stuff. Never you know, bad mouth the, the company. Scenes, <laughs> never bad mouth the company. And Which you know, he saw some stuff, you know? So, oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that, you know, I, I wouldn't be, would you guys be outraged if they were like, nah, I'm not, yeah, you know, I no think way. that's a guy that, yeah, I think that's a guy that earned it. Cause you don't do. always have to be like, not everybody can be on top, you know, and it takes right. guys yeah. to get other guys there. And like, mm -hmm. like I said, I think him and Barry Horowitz are like the two greatest enhancement talents ever. And yep. like, they're actually good. Like Barry Horowitz was technically sound, you know, yeah. Steve Lombardi also, I mean, they tried like at different times and managed by Bobby the Brain Heenan at one point, yeah. you yeah. know, like they were really trying with him in the eighties, the mid eighties. But yeah. I just wanted to mention that one because it was huge. I also want to mention, um, you know, some of these, some of these eliminations, I think it was, uh, who was it? Sato in there or who was the guy in the Orient Express? Kato. Or Kato, Kato. Yeah. I think he threw out my boy Sarge, which was so oh, random. Wow. Oh, funny. Yeah. There's mm. another, it's funny though. Like, that's another AWA connection that people mm -hmm. might not know about. Like, because Sean and him went at it. I don't know if you guys saw that. that Paul corner. Diamond under there? Paul or... Diamond, yeah. Right. So, like, bad company, Pat Tanaka and Paul Diamond. They were there at the same time that Sarge was there because Sarge went there when uh, Vince wouldn't let him do G.I. Joe. That's right. the only reason Sarge left in WWE. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes. Although so, yeah. Sarge, uh, I had the pleasure of meeting this past weekend. Actually, Frank, I went to this '90s wrestling thing. I was gonna, yeah, I was oh, gonna funny. mention that. And Sarge, so there was no one there. Sadly, by the time like I was there, like as far as like fans and some of the wrestlers packed it up, but uh, mm -hmm. Sarge was there just alone, chilling. I was like, I gotta do it. Let me meet this guy. <laughs> Got the there combo. There was no line for him. Nobody even there anymore. It was That's just insane. him, and he was just chilling. Yeah. So I, I did the deal. Uh, anyway, we got to talk for like a good 10, 15 minutes. And oh, that's cool. Yeah. And like the nicest dude. And this is in a way that I normally met these guys. Like, so it was just a casual combo. He really like, first of all, he had so much, so many opinions on the current day, but he was like talking about that G.I. Joe thing. And his version is is different that he told Vince, like he wanted to go off and do this. And that, you know, because I brought that up like, oh, so like your interaction with Vince, like, just I asked him how he is as like a guy because that's all that's all I'm ever curious about is like what's Vince McMahon really like. But anyway, <laughs> he said that he chose to walk away and like he was such a big deal. I guess you don't realize like outside of wrestling, Sergeant Slaughter's star power. Like he's like an icon with no, 100. Absolutely. Like, you know what I mean? Like his yeah. status. Um, yeah. He also put over Lacey Evans and how he they wanted him to come back and manage her recently. But he said he makes more money doing what he was doing that Saturday afternoon, signing autographs that they were, they lowballed the heck out of him as far oh, as like wow. the contract. But I always thought, Frank, did you hear him like how he didn't like Lacey Evans? I thought, like, he, yeah, I thought he like kind of buried her. Yeah. That's why I was like, huh? And yeah, that's why I asked him twice. I was like, oh, so are you a fan of her? He's like, yeah, I'm a huge fan of hers. I would, I thought I would have loved to do business with her. I'm like, all right, wrestling huh. dirt sheets are literally just dirt sheets. But I thought he like, said something i thought because he criticized like how she was acting as a soldier and she's like a must real have been working i i mean was nah, he nah, working nah, into like manage someone to get, who knows yeah. this guy bro. yeah interesting but yeah. um it looks great still shout out to sarge you know and awesome did you guy. ask him to be on the podcast <laughs> no yeah. no didn't nah, get well, it 
of Does course, he know not. what a podcast is because you're too damn selfish, <laughs> and that's why I'm sitting here with a bad neck. <laughs> that's why your neck is your neck out of your neck. So we go go into the end of this um, rumble or this. I do want to mention. Uh, I was uh, a little annoyed that my LOD got eliminated so early. Oh, afterthought. So I was. I well, mean, they did the whole the fun- sags and. And yeah, Hobbs and Stags, the one yeah. got eliminated with the other. Yep, the nasties and LOD got tied up. Um, you know, I'm big on Final Fours. Hey, a huge Royal Final Rumbles. Four here. <laughs> and like, unfortunately, once again, like you, Frank, in that six man match, you start to your mind starts racing. It's like Ted DiBiase, no one harder in the ring. Oh my God, what's going to happen? Yeah, it's yeah. like, nah, bro, you ain't getting that tonight. <laughs> nah. And we certainly weren't getting a classic <laughs> Final Four here. Uh, I do want to say I am a big fan of the Nasty Boys, and they should absolutely be in the WWF Hall of Fame. And it's a basically a travesty that they're not. Mm. Um, they are former AWA, mm. WCW, and WWF Tag Team Champions. If that's yeah. not a formula for the Hall of Fame, yeah, I don't know what is. We got to stop with this like waiting too long thing before these guys. Also at the '90s Wrestling Con and. Uh... Looked like they were swell guys in a good mood. They were uh, happy to. Oh, the Nasties were there? Yeah. Not oh, quite man. 90s, but it's interesting. They were there. I yeah. 100% would have met the Nasty Boys. Yeah, I went for Sarge. I, I would have met them both, brother. Tried to go for Luger. Unfortunately, Luger was getting wheeled out at, yeah. as, as I was coming in. But um, anyways, yeah, this final Speaking four... of guys that should be in the Hall of Fame. Exactly. Yeah. Lex Luger. 100%. Psycho Sid. Nasty Boys. Vince, if you're listening, let's go, brother. These guys Vince are gonna, is listening. Vince is listening. They're not going to be around he's forever. He's definitely tuned in. Vince is tuned in. So the final. <laughs> he's the on the final he's on the treadmill right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Vince didn't even watch wrestlers that he signed. Who the hell? Are Vince we wasn't at the Hall of Fame when I was in yeah. LA. He was out having dinner. That's right. That's right. Yeah. He was getting inducted to his yeah. Hall of Fame. John yeah. was having Vince dinner with Vince yeah. while the Hall of Fame was going on. Violation by both of us, probably. But yeah. Um. Go ahead with this final four. I mean, what we're talking about is more interesting than this final four. So if we want to continue with that, the hey, final man. four, ladies and gentlemen, both of the Beverly brothers, <laughs> that's right. Bo and Blake of the Beverly brothers, Erwin R. Scheister, mm-hmm. big fan of Erwin R. Scheister, personally, Mike Rotunda, and that Native American Tatanka. Trivia question. What tribe was Tatanka said to be from? I mean, I don't want to, you know, speak wrong here, but is it the is it the Cherokee? It is not. I am disappointed in you. It starts with a T, right? It does not. It starts uh, with an L. Oh, the let the. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna butcher the the, the little Indians. No, it's the <laughs> Lumbee Lumbee. tribe. Lumbee. Lumbee I'm actually shocked that you don't know that, John Boy. I thought I set you up for a. Uh, softball you know, nah. yeah thought i threw that right in well that's john's late, not a Tatanka fan ladies and gentlemen although i am though i am a fan you of this are, gear you too. say that you are but i feel like you've failed i was going to ask about his gear because we are big gear gear guys gear you prefer this uh the white pants with like the interesting designs or the blue with like the brown well he had the trunks field. eventually instead yeah. of this but um, it had like the thing that you remember it like hung over yeah yeah his butt and stuff this is uh early tatanka so yeah. it always separates the eras for me i like this gear um it's 
Hmm. Better? I think I prefer the other one for a main event yeah, run, for a main event yeah. push, but I do like this gear. This final four, though, um, this is what you would get in these battle rules, especially on the Coliseum uh, videos. We would never get, and I didn't expect, nor did I, you know, it was we weren't going to get Sean, Brett, DiBiase at the end, or you know, yeah, Owen, yeah, God forbid. But <laughs> we, so I expected some kind of um, hodgepodge of heels. And that's what we got with one baby face who has to stave them off and fight them off. And mm -hmm. Tatanka did that. Tatanka winning this this battle rule, 40 man style. Wow, we're jumping right into it, brother. This is it. Stealing my heat, bro. I mean, you gotta heat. set it up, bro. I'll tell you right now, both Beverly brothers selling their keisters off for him. Then we'll well, you can at least tell me about that final elimination. And you uh, know what, too? Like, um, when I so IRS is holding Tatanka while Bo, well, so Blake, Blake throws Bo into he's trying to hit Tatanka, Tatanka ducks, and it's not like a good backdrop or anything. But I'll tell you what, like Bo got out of that ring like pretty damn good, like for not having any help. Air, you guys, yeah, yeah no did air you guys feel him. that way, yeah, like he didn't like back body drop, me, he just kind of like fell over and i thought it was a good sell by Bo. actually yeah, yeah, um, yeah he flopped out of the ring yeah yeah it was good um yeah so then we go to irs and blake their double team in the native american they try to send them over the top rope the tonka's able to push them both over irs it looked, goes it over. looked like the irs went flying by himself yeah <laughs> but do you think that Blake was supposed to go over as well, or do you think that he was supposed to land on the apron? I think he's supposed to land on it. Okay. That's, that's how I felt about so it. So we get that final bump. Exactly, I get that yeah. big chop. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So IRS goes out right over the top rope. Tatanka's a powerful man, Frank. I know mm -hmm. you might think that IRS went over himself, but Tatanka's one of the strongest men at this oh, time in sure. the World Wrestling Federation. Yeah. I, I so then uh, Blake Beverly's out on the apron. Macho Man is yelling at this man to eliminate the final Beverly. He does. Big chop. We got a winner. Crowd, loves man. It. Crowd loved it. Battle Royal winner. John, not a big fan, but I, I am doing this. Tatanka takes it home from the Lumbee tribe. Lumbee Tatanka, tribe. the winner of the 40-man over-the-top rope Battle Royal. We got to rate this one, guys. Frank, what do you got on this? I'm giving it a straight up 3.5 out of 10. Wow. Yeah. I just thought everybody I like got eliminated in weird <laughs> ways. You know what I mean? And just like, and there's jobbers in there. Like, in the, like the final six still had jobbers. You know what I mean? Like, it yeah. was just, it was just odd, you know? And I, I don't love personally battle Royals. Cause I don't love that format of everybody in the ring. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I love Royal rumble. I love that format, mm -hmm. but, um, and so like in the beginning, you just it's like I can't even I'm not even watching anything. It's yeah. like it's it's tough. You know what I mean? Just too many guys. So yeah, I just didn't love it, you know, but it is crazy to see. And then the final four is just so odd. The Be both Beverly brothers. What are your thoughts on the Beverly brothers, you guys? Because I don't like dislike those dudes. No, you know, but it's just funny to see them there. Uh I think we're both fans. I'm certainly a fan. Yeah, John, but I'm pretty sure you were yeah, a fan I'm of a them fan. too. I'm a fan. Uh a funny thing about the Beverly brothers, because we were talking about no mercy. They're in my nineties game. And I mm. put them over top of the Hardys in the game. And they are unstoppable in Dominant. that game. The Beverly yeah. brothers reverse 
everything you want to do. So don't ever play the Beverly Brothers in my No Mercy game. Yeah, yeah we'll, so we'll talk. We'll talk about the Beverlys uh, again on this tape. But yeah, yeah I'm surprised you're rating. Uh, but I'm also I get it because you. I guess you were um, you were left with not much to cheer for towards the end here. You mentioned some of the the enhancement guys, the job guys. Tom Stone almost made the the final four. So. They didn't was care. that the guy that was getting eliminated through the ropes? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> now, was that a friggin' goof? Because I'm like, dude, get out of the ring. Yeah, he it got wasn't very graceful through the ropes. Like, I mean, three or four times. Yeah, it wasn't very graceful. Um, but no, unlike you, Frank, like I would take a battle royal every single week if I could. Like I, every week. I would think there should just be a battle royal. And these four, these 40 men, these 40 men or 30 men were, you know, they were definitely popular back then. Duke, I'm sure you remember the Royal Bat, the, the Royal Hall, the Battle Royal. God, Al- royal Albert Hall. Yeah. Yeah. That's a cool one with uh, with Davy yeah. Boy. So like yeah. you, so what my point is like you didn't always get the the top, mm-hmm. top guys winning them. It could have been a main a mid-carder they were trying to push. This is before a money in the bank, uh, and things like that. So with that said, I gave this a nice solid seven out of ten. I love about wow, it. awesome. I do. I mean, I mean, look, that you is your everything. that's your hot brother. You're you're entitled to it. We're not yeah. here to tell you you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's your highest rated match thus far up to this point. Yeah. Okay. Cool. For sure. I just like it. I like. Uh, yeah. Seeing all these guys. I'm with you, for sure. Um, I do agree with you, Frank. Like battle royals get like kind of jumbled up, and I think yeah. that. Once again, the brilliance of the World Wrestling Federation taking an idea yeah. and just making it better with the Royal Rumble. Yeah. Pat Patterson. It's the best format. Yeah, like, that's the, yeah, yeah, like, the best format. Yep. Because you get to have, yeah. you know, you get to have those moments, you know, mm-hmm. um, the countdown. And uh, so the entrances it, count more. Yeah. Exactly. And you don't get entrances, right? Yeah, like yeah. in a Royal Rumble, you get one big entrance. So if Bret Hart wins this Royal Rumble, what are you rating it? Battle Royal. Yeah, if Bret, Hart, if Bret Hart wins it and he eliminates Sean instantly mm. as soon as the match starts. <laughs> as soon as he gets yeah, it's it. a, yeah, it's a it's a seven out of ten. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So there's no way this could even get a ten out nah, of ten. No, 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 no. Jeez, that's like the dream, right? It's there. just battle royals, though, really. To be what if so? What if there was like a mid, like an angle, like like lights go out, Papa Sean goes, got everybody <laughs> spitting out blood in the middle out, of the battle. No, that black ooze. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that'd be cool. Out. I mean, you know, and he just wins and eliminates everybody because they got poisoned. Well, no, yeah. he he poisons everyone, but then Phantasmo comes out. Oh yeah, that no I'm magic that. trick. I'm yeah, that, yeah. And then so there's a way to get there. The dude had one match, Phantasmo. All right, I know. literally. All right, so uh, we got your ratings. I'm gonna give it a nice solid five out of ten. I was super minute. excited. I was super excited for this one. Again, the guys involved. Um, I mean, my boy Brett is in this one. I was hoping for something like John mentioned. He's eliminated by Brooklyn Brawler of all people, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's that. We're gonna send it back to Mr. Perfect after this ginormous 40 man battle royal. Frank, did he find the perfect stamp yet? He didn't. It looked like he was getting close, I think, in this segment. Yeah, he had the he had the, the magnifier he did, and all he, that, he but uh, no, nah, but it wasn't to be. It was a smudge, if you recall. Yeah, you yeah, yeah. Smudge on the one. Uh, Not perfect. Think, do you think she was trying to work him down? Do you think she was trying to get more money than it was actually worth? 
I think yeah. she said it was like I didn't trust this girl as far as I could throw her. Yeah. Yeah, me neither. We are going to go to a feature here of a guy that you guys might, I think you're a fan of him. I know I am. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about Brett the Hitman Hart. <laughs> and it's Brett Hart art. So Brett tells us that, you know, when he's trying to sort of just chill, you know, instead of getting nervous before his matches, he likes to just grab anything that he can. It might be some scrap paper, some chalk, and he likes to draw cartoons before the matches. Mm-hmm. So Brett then draws us a few cartoons. He draws us The Undertaker and Paul Bear, Yokozuna and Mr. Fuji, Money Incorporated, and the Hulkster himself, Hulk Hogan. John Boy, what was your favorite drawing? Taker, hands down. I mean, what's spot on, you know, Taker's hands down. (laughs) This stuff's funny because, like, nine-year-old little me, I was, so my cousin and I, like, we would battle, like, I love Brett. No, no, Mm -hmm. I love Brett. Who loves Brett more? And I'd be like, Mm -hmm. And I was a little, I was a little artiste. I would draw a lot. So when I, when I would see this kind of stuff, I would always be like, I'm more like Brett because Brett can draw. <laughs> like I, Brett's, you know, I just, I love this stuff. It was a flashback and um, Brett's still doing this kind of thing. He, I guess he just loves what he loves drawing these characters. This was a cool yeah. little segment. He yeah, still does. Love it. Frank, what was your favorite cartoon? Same Undertaker. Yeah. Mostly though, because of the Paul Bear. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was yeah, great. Yeah, like the Paul Bear makes it. Because yep. when he started drawing it, I was like, what is he even drawing? Then you go, oh, you see it like come turn into Paul Bear. Then I think Brett's drawings, I was kind of disappointed because these drawings were like so quick, you know, like you could tell he just like did it really fast, a few minutes for these cameras. But like Brett has some like cool drawings out there. Like it if does. you ever look up like the Brett Hart art, like some of them are mm-hmm. super sick. I think the this video didn't do him justice. But, uh, I would um I would hang these on my wall though. Yeah. Dead ass. I'm dead <laughs> yeah. serious. Like if you gave me like just this with like these little scribbles on there, like mm-hmm. I'm with you guys. I also love the Undertaker one. One thing, like I used to draw too when I was younger, and like Brett, like, like you said, Frank, you he's drawn and you don't really see what's happening. Mm-hmm. And he, he draws like kind of unorthodox, like because mm-hmm. he's just kind of like drawn over here and then drawn over here, where like you know, when I used to draw like wrestlers or whatever, like I would draw the two circles mm-hmm. and then I would put the muscles in and then I would erase. You know what I mean? Like it was like yeah. an interesting. It's I love how his uh, creative mind, you know, yeah, yeah. That's like, what he I, has a say. I love how like everybody's mind works differently, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, yeah, I thought that was neat. Oh, um, yeah. They he laces, all... uh, laces matches out, you know, very creative, creative genius. This this hit man. He sure is. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I was <laughs> I was thinking about Bret Hart and I'm like, it's like embarrassing how much I love this man. Like, <laughs> you know, like it's professional wrestling. This guy's a pro wrestler. Like he doesn't mean anything to me mm-hmm. as far as like, you know, I'm not related to the guy. I'm not like he's not paying my bills like but like I just I have this like attachment to Bret Hart and like. I was just laughing to myself. I'm like, why do I love this guy so much? Like, but I mean, you guys obviously get it, you know. It's a um, hero. It's a hero. He is. He was my hero growing up. Um, true life hero. Yeah. And like I thought once again, though, this is one of those things where it's like, oh yeah, that's why I love him. Cause he talks and he says, you know, I think everybody has a gift. 
Yeah. And like, you might not know it right now, but like at some point you're going to just figure it out one day. Oh, I can draw cartoons. I can, you know, do this. I can do that. And I thought, I'm thinking like younger me, I'm like, maybe that's why, like, he just always had this in a fucking world of carnies. He just always had this authenticity to me. Yeah. yeah. Like, I just believe him. I just believe what he's saying, you know, oh, and yeah. like when people talk badly about him, I'm just like, I don't know, man. Like, I think you're full of shit, dude. Like, cause he just has this like genuineness about him. And even when I met him, I told him that I was like, I just, I believe everything you say, dude. And he's like, I don't have any reason to lie, man. Cause I, I had his book when I met him and he signed it for me, mm-hmm. but yeah, shout out to Brett, my hero growing oh, up, man. I love this dude. My all time favorite wrestler. Um, well, you get to talk thing. about him. You get to talk about him again because this next match, <laughs> and I will not uh, jump well, ahead on you, but you are man, jumping oh, ahead, pal, because uh, we need to rate this segment. Oh, that's right. Because this is a, this is a segment here. Well, how many drawings did Brett do? He About did four drawings. Four. I'm going to double that and give it an eight out of ten. All right. Two points per drawing. <laughs> <laughs> Two points per drawing. I'll go a little lower. But I still like the segment because I didn't get I, enough I, shading. Yeah, yeah, I didn't get is? enough. I, I wish these were more. You wanted more cross hatching. Yeah, we could see yeah, some more I of the sophisticated, you know, <laughs> skills that Brett, you know, possesses. No, but I did like the segment. I thought it was six. I thought it was funny. Brett being super positive, it just makes me laugh because that's never my uh, type of wrestler, really. You know what I mean? Like in terms of character, like all my favorite guys, you like the anti hero, Eddie Austin, Razor. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? None of them are like the white meat baby face guy, really. But Brett is just always so positive. Do you so, like these? Um, sorry, you you rated it. What was your rating? I'm sorry. Six out of ten. Sorry. Six out of ten. Do you Five like seconds. these? Um, like segments, these unexpected segments on these Coliseum videos, like this perfect. Sure, stuff, it makes it. Yeah, stuff. yeah. I like the perfect stuff a lot. The perfect stuff is probably my favorite stuff in the whole thing. Okay. But uh, yeah, but I do like it. You know, it's just it's fun. I just got yeah. I the the Brett stuff sort of helped level out the all that Sean stuff. So you know, it it worked itself <laughs> out. It always does. He cleanses the palate a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, guys, this is the highest rated segment that I've ever done on any of our shows. <laughs> I gave this one a 10 out of 10. There you the go. Perfect segment from the perfect, the perfect wrestler. Segment. Brett the Hitman Hart. Sorry, Kurt Henning. Wow. So on a tape with Kurt Henning, but I get it. Listen, brother, Kurt's there. We head back to the ring. There's no, we're not heading back to perfect after this one. We're going to head right back to the ring to the greatest ring announcer in the history of professional wrestling, Howard Finkel. He introduces an intercontinental championship match. I wasn't ready for this one. It's going to be Brett the Hitman Hart defending against Rick the Model Martell. On commentary, we have Jim Ross, Macho Man Randy Savage, Bobby the Brain Heenan, and the return of Brett's white with pink boots. Did you guys notice it in this one? Yeah, I did notice. So these were the same boots he was wearing. Yes. In the okay. Battle well, Royal. I like these boots then. Yeah, because okay. I did notice them here. I just didn't notice in the in the Battle Royal. But what I like of, about them is yeah. that there's a black star on it, like filled in, but there's no black on the bottom of the right. boot. You know, like okay. the that's yeah. usually where the black always is, but the star was all filled in, and then it was just the white, like the white with the pink trim. I thought these boots were actually super sick. So if they were the same boots, then I did love them. 
tune in next week where we discuss <laughs> just Bret Hart's boots, the yeah. boots that he's worn throughout the years. John Boy, there was a lot of pink going on in this match, brother. We yeah. talk about this all the time. Guys don't have any dialogue about what they're going to be wearing before they go out there. Sometimes they just want to go out there looking like a tag team during their match. But just so happens that I do remember this match and I do remember this, this, you know, clash of the, the styles or, or lack thereof. And mm. I was just looking at this and I'm thinking, did Brett popularize pink or did the model? Because the model um, had pink on during the WrestleMania. What was it be like? I guess Brett was already in pink before the model was wearing the powder blue pink, right? Was yeah, he? So, yeah. Brett was the first first wrestler wearing pink, right? John, what, what are we what are we talking about? Yeah, uh, are just just are just a question. I I know you're a Rick Martel guy, but you know. I am a Rick Martel guy. <laughs> what, through what, through. what are we what are we what are we talking about? Who looked was better Rick, in the pink? Was not even a question. I'll I'll turn this podcast around, brother. Right <laughs> now, I'll turn the whole damn podcast around. Come on, with, man. In with, the 80s, bro. Brett was rocking the pink in the 80s. Yeah, the model well, wasn't the model till the 90s. I know, but who made it, you know, who really put it on the mat? <laughs> well, <laughs> listen, I mean, you got a point there. The fashion plate. That's what I'm saying. This guy was, Martel. He was out there, you know, in magazines. You might have a point. Whatnot. You might have a point. We'll have to have the big pink debate. As far as them wearing the same colors, forget all that. Let's just talk about Jim Ross being on commentary here. All this, like, uh, to think being, you know, the ring announcer, the formula for Intercontinental title on the line, the formula for a great segment here. And dare I say, my favorite segment, my favorite match on this whole entire tape by a long shot. Yeah. So this is just great back and forth stuff. Martell is uh, up to the task here. Like, as far as their interaction and, like, their their movements and things like that, and one playing a heel, one playing a baby face, that's also part of the formula. Kids, you were talking about life advice from Brett for the kids in that art segment. The kids damn near mauled him during his <laughs> entrance here. They 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 tried to actually tear his hair out. Um, but with that said, I love the formula, love this match. I'll let you talk more about it. But this is uh way up. Bobby, speaking of the kids, did you catch Bobby's comment about the kids like grabbing them and stuff? What did he, he say? was like, he was like, Oh yeah, I'd love to have a bunch of you know little girls grabbing me. He's like getting peanut butter and jelly all over me no he wasn't not like that <laughs> he was saying like they were like sticky little gross kids you know? uh, yeah. he wasn't he wasn't being like that it was funny <laughs> yeah some of those kids were they love brett man but absolutely i was one of them yeah this was um <clears throat> there's there's something i want to say to make you might make you want to turn this podcast off oh, even, even more and you around, won't be bro. able to unsee it if i say it Oh maybe, no! Or maybe you just don't even see it like this. But I never noticed it until now. Um, Rick Martel does a cartwheel, and mm-hmm. then he's and he's smiling, he's grinning for the camera, and he has a striking resemblance to one Sammy Guevara. Ugh! I hope not. I, hope not. not I didn't. I didn't catch that. He doesn't. He doesn't. Could be his kid. It. Could be his kid. Nah, not at all. Rewatch. I'll it. tell you. I'll tell you what's different about them. It's something that I always fixate on Sammy Guevara. His nose. <laughs> Sammy has that Hollywood nose that looks like everybody gets the nose job to like mm-hmm. where it all looks the same. Mm-hmm. And that is not Rick Martell. And I'm actually disgusted that you said that. I told you you're going to turn it around. Turn told you. But with all that said, let's talk about the match. Frankie. 
I thought it was a good match. I thought obviously, well, I don't know if it's obvious to you guys, but I thought it was the best match on this show. Um, a proper match, interesting finish. Um, you know, uh, I thought it was interesting at least. Um, yeah, I think I think the model looked good. You know what I mean? And he did have the arrogance here, so you know, like he did. It was the okay, full, yeah. It was the it, full it would come deal. into play, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the full deal. Brett, obviously, he's Brett. You know, everything looks good that he does. This match could have been even better, maybe a couple of years earlier. You know what I mean? But I thought Martel was. I looked really good in this match. Like I give him a lot of respect for, you know, all of his showings on the show because, you know, he showed like what he has to offer. He's a pro, and he's old at an advanced age. You know, at this point in his career, you know, he still had years left, but. I thought it was a very fun match. I liked the ending. Easily the best match of the show. I was high on it. So you did like you the did ending? Like, wow, I'm I did like that. the ending. I oh. just I liked it because of uh if we're if you want me to just talk about it, I just liked it because, you know, HBK comes out, knocks Brett, uh what what did the model has him in a Boston Crab, yeah. Some submission. Brett's like trying to get the ropes. HBK comes out and like knocks him dead. And Brett sells it like he's not dead. Dude, you know, beautiful. and like, and the model thinks uh he won. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and it's cool because the referee is stopping and he has no idea. I just thought it was cool, like how it worked out. And then he turns around, yeah. and he's equally pissed, like rightfully pissed. You know what I mean? With Shawn Michaels, it wasn't like some wrestling thing where we got to just like, oh, move on from this. And those guys have the story. You know, it was like, no, nah, he's rightfully pissed. I just, I thought it worked. I can see how the, if you're live in attendance, you're a little upset with the finish. But yeah. I think for what it is, it it it, it was uh clever. So this is like filmed obviously right around SummerSlam '92 because mm-hmm. this is Sean and Martel. They're going into their can't hit in your face match. Yep. You know, there's they're building an angle here in the midst of this match between Sean and uh, or Brett and, per, uh, and yeah. Martel. These are three of my favorite guys from this era. So seeing them all interact and just the way it all went down, I'm surprised you like that finish, but it did make sense, I guess, for what they were building towards. Yeah. I'm I'm not surprised that you like the finish. I'm surprised that you like the finish based on involving who was involved. involved in it. Yeah. yeah. Because like, like there were there were a lot of those types of finishes back in the day, like almost mm-hmm. like a dusty finish, as mm-hmm, they would call mm-hmm. it, where like guys would interfere or time would run out or what have you, and then the guy celebrates and he doesn't actually yeah. win the match. So and if and if I watched this at the time, maybe I wouldn't love the finish. But since I know their history that's coming from them, you know what I mean? And the, this all feels like early days of what becomes one of the biggest rivalries, you know, ever, like in real yeah. life and in pro wrestling for these guys. You know what I mean? So I just think that all helps with this, uh, with my rating on this one. And like you mentioned, John, it actually led into something. It wasn't just like Shawn Michaels interfering because, you know, they didn't want Bret Hart to pin martell clean you know and it keeps martell looking strong you know yeah even though he was like you know yeah he had the champion like he had him beat you know and macho man once again putting over my boy brett he's like i don't want to say anything but he was pushing out of that you know he's like (laughs) i don't know if he would get out of it but macho man always showed love to brett man he real recognizes real i guess um so yeah it led to that infamous uh no hit in the face match which is what a funny cool idea you know it's mm-hmm. not like this like classic but like it is funny for those guys you know sean mm-hmm. the boy toy and the model like okay we'll have a match but we can't hit in the face i i did think that was like cool you know yeah yeah so uh this was 
my favorite match as well. Like Frank mentioned, the model has him. Boston Crab, Shawn Michaels comes in, punches Brett. The ref disqualifies him. The model thinks he won because the ref just calls it off. Your winner, by disqualification, and still intercontinental champion, Brett the Hitman Hart. Let's rate this one, boys. I'll start off. I gave it a 7.5 out of 10. Woo! My highest rating of the show. Uh, And, like, rightfully so. I mean, Brett's in it. It's not a shocker. (laughs) Yeah, I thought it was a good match. I am taking the Bret Hart art rating of 8 out of 10, and I'm going to just carry it over, and I'm going to make it an 8 out of 10. I love everything about it. Martell looking motivated and fresh and up to the task to fight the hitman, which is not an easy task. And also, um, you know, you I saw them on the UK Rampage 92, one of those tapes, and I feel like they could have had a pay-per-view level feud. Like a feud, uh, which Brett never had with him. Like, because Brett being a great baby face, Martel being an amazing heel at this time. I just think I wish we would have got a Bret Hart, Rick Martel proper feud because mm-hmm. underrated Jake Roberts, Rick Martel feud. Like, Martel could have feuds, but yeah. anyway, oh, um, sure. I wish we would have got more out of these two on a higher level. But this was really fun. I love this. It might have been honestly that like they were both very good and in the ring and they could kind of carry other people yeah and might have been or it just might have been you know just bad timing you know whatever it was i bu- I do um, believe martel um we haven't talked a lot about him uh, you know I'll, I'll put him over here and there but like i think he's one of these guys born five years too early or something like that like i think mm. he could have been like if he was in his prime in like the mid 90s or whatever i think he could have been a bigger star in in the business. I know he's a big AWA legend and things like that, mm-hmm. but I just think he was born a little early. Like in the WWF, you mean? Uh-huh. Yeah. Like as a bad guy? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do. I think he's a bad guy. Yeah, me too. I think I prefer him definitely as a bad guy. And once again, when you go back and watch these like as an adult, like you see how much fun these guys are having, you know, like no. It's just so funny like cuz I remember just being a kid and, you know, some of these guys, I would just hate them, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, they're just having so much fun doing their yeah. thing. You and know it. Yeah. So I'm with you. Like, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of Rick Martel too. Um, is he in the Hall of Fame? No. It's crime. That's another travesty. I mean, that's, that's a joke. Travesty. It's just go by like, AWA alone. I mean, yeah, you want to put in sure. gas, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But even then, like, he was a multiple-time WWF Tag Team Champion. He had so many memorable moments. Like you mm-hmm. mentioned with Jake, like, that match, like, they had the crowd in the palm of their hand. They don't touch each other. You know, yeah. like, can't teach that. So, Brett, surprise, surprise, your winner. The highest-rated match from all of us thus far. I didn't get my rating, guys. I'm right. right. What do you got? Eight out of ten, baby. Nice. Big fan of both of these guys. Um, would have preferred the model in his blue attire. <laughs> yeah. Just did not clash with my boy. He came out with the blue jacket. Yeah. Right. Just yeah. go with the blue. Yeah. All right. Um, I love the ratings. What do you guys call this team if they were a tag team with, with all the pink going on? Can you give me a quick brainstorm? What's their tag name? <laughs> Pretty in pink. There you go. All right. I like it. There it is. <laughs> um. 
it's not going to be like the the model hitmans, you know, like they would do now with these right swerving our glories, where they just yeah, like <laughs> that bullshit natural, natural jungle hook limitless. Jungle yeah, hook. what would you name it? Nah, it can't be pretty in pink. The John Hughes reference is good enough for me. I like that. Yeah, I just watched that. It was fresh on my mind. Beautiful. All right. We're going to head into a big tag team match. Those aforementioned Beverly Brothers (sighs) taking on the Natural Disasters. Jim Ross, Macho Man Randy Savage, By the Brain Heenan on commentary. Uh, Natural Disasters working babyface here. Yeah, which I always thought was a little weird. Funny thing uh, I heard in an interview with Brett. I don't know if you guys ever heard it. He's a big Earthquake guy. He's a big Earthquake fan. And he said Earthquake was such a nice guy. Mm-hmm. And when when they made him like this bad heel, he like hated it because like he didn't want to be mean to kids and stuff because he loved kids so mm-hmm. much. And he would always play with kids like backstage and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Other wrestlers, kids and like. I think it's cool hmm. that he eventually got a babyface run to at least like, you know, come out and slap the, the fans' hands a little bit and get yeah, that yeah, love. Yeah. But I thought that was funny. Yeah. So the babyface natural disasters was always uh once again Vince turning beast beastly men into sympathetic yep. uh you know, baby faces. And this was remember when like uh the sumo battle between him and Yokozuna. Oh yeah. Which is um always so strange to see. In hindsight, but he and was legit. He left, Earthquake left like a week after. I don't know if you remember that. Mm-hmm. It was his final thing, right? Yeah. He, um, I don't know if it was like abrupt, but he ended up going to WCW and they kind of buried him on WWF mm. Raw. Like they were like, yeah, you know, Yokozuna sent him packing or something like that. So I don't know if oh, it was wow. like a bad breakup sort of thing, but they definitely sort of trashed him. It was fine because he eventually came back, but <clears throat> I thought that well, was interesting. What screws my head up is I'm 10 years older now than Earthquake was in this match. That's Isn't insane. that crazy? Isn't that crazy? Uh, this young man in this match, he's balding, he's huge. I mean, yep. it's like uh, 30 years Bruno. old here. Bruno crazy. from inside the steel cage. He's younger right. than Jericho, right? Now, so yeah, Jericho just, now. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So how's Jericho now? 53, Frank? Yeah, something okay, like that. Okay, so I just looked like this up 51 too. then, okay. Yeah, crazy. Yep, so yeah, some of those guys, you know, Arn Anderson's always looked 50. You know? <laughs> but at least he looks good now, right? Comparatively, because yeah. he just looks the same. Like he looks the same. <laughs> just has a bigger gut, I guess. Um, so, one thing I noticed, and I'll let you go crazy with this match, John Boy. <laughs> when Earthquake uh, ran into the ropes to do the big... Um, did they call it the earthquake when he sat on the dude? That was the, um, yeah, the uh, earthquake slam or something like that. Is that what they called it? So I don't know if you guys noticed, but when he bounces off the ropes, the ring literally moves. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, I know this is like a house show, bro, but like, let's take care of these guys. That right. ring moved. And I was like anxious for these guys in the ring. Go ahead, John Boy. No, no. Uh, I was just, I mean, another guy that we don't talk about. Maybe we did as a giant, but um, 6'7", 465 was the build height and weight. And like John Tenta, mm. 
just a monster of a man. It's it's a weird thing because like I, I won't sugarcoat it. Like I wasn't a big fan of his growing yeah. up. I, I wasn't supposed to be, I guess. But sure. even even for the heels, I did like like I did like Rick Martel. Mm-hmm. Just never really appealed to me. Earthquake. But when you hear Brett talk so highly of the uh, the Canadian earthquake, John Tenta, it's cool to know. And then you see his stuff in Japan, and then it's like these other layers of the man and the, the drop kicks and the the skills he had, and you know who knows how it would translate nowadays. Mm-hmm. But um, he was such a respected guy, so it's cool to like hear that stuff. Even in this match, you see the level of quality between him and Typhoon. You know what I mean, or Fred. You know what I mean? Who, who's who's another nice guy? You know what I mean? Another yeah. sweet dude because I met him once. Mm. Uh, very nice, but like you see him in the match, and like, dude, you, I, which I never really thought of it because I always just think of earthquake when I think of the natural disasters, like, and, and like you know, and then there's typhoon. But he was like, he could barely move, and then earthquakes right. running about. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's jumping. I th- there's a spot where they splashed the guys in the corner, and like typhoon, like. He could barely, he barely get move. on it. Barely yeah. slams on, and then earthquake jumps on him. Yes, him on like a stinger splash, right? Yeah, exactly, like a stinger yeah. splash. You know, and it's like much better. You know, way more effective. But at the same time, he doesn't crush everybody there. Exactly. Um, you know, so like it really pointed. I'm not an earthquake guy either. You know what I mean? Just because he looks like a giant baby. You know what I mean? So like that always like <laughs> the outfit didn't help, right? Yeah, the outfit did not do him any. It wasn't flattering at all, right? But like he he's huge. Obviously, you see him and like Duke said, move the ring. And when he does his stomp, insane, you see dude. Whoever the Beverly was, I think it was Blake. You see he's on the mat at one time. You see him like bouncing, bouncing. The, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like obviously he's this monster. He's just he just looked like a giant baby you know in a diaper sometimes but uh yeah. <laughs> but he was impressive especially compared to his partner when you look at him in this match yep so his partner typhoon sorry dude real quick his no partner, no yeah go ahead. partner typhoon 35 years old at this point five years Jeez. older than earthquake but you wouldn't know it no, oh my god know it. yeah wow how Great. about that yeah i was gonna say about earthquake so like even when you go back now frank like have you become a more of an earthquake fan now no, I respect him a little more, like what he okay. could do and all. I wouldn't say I'm a fan though, like to be yeah, honest. Like, about, yeah, when you when you see Earthquake's name on the marquee, yeah, I'm not, like, oh cool, it's yeah, so I'm not marking match. that down. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I respect I, the game. Yeah, I have become like a fan of him. Like I yeah. do enjoy watching him now. Uh, and like you mentioned about him not like crushing dudes, like his power slam is beautiful. It is. And, he lays them down. They're not feeling a damn thing, man. Yeah. If you watch his power slam, it looks great. The techniques there, but when he lays them down, like he's not killing these guys, you know. Even the uh, his finisher where he would like sit on the dudes, like yeah. Oh, Yokozuna would kill these guys, man. Like yeah, 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 that, yeah. He would. I would be like, yo, man, like, like just some caving some lungs in yeah like he did dude he did didn't he like legit yeah like so uh, yeah man shout Mm. out to earthquake very like good worker um and never really seemed to like really hurt guys you know what i mean like all his stuff looked tight it looked good but he wasn't out there squashing dudes like you know like vader i love vader but oh yeah but vader took advantage yeah yeah so um it's funny you brought up the safety of earthquake um look at your phone real quick if you guys can i sent you a clip i don't know if you've seen this 
of the Beverly Brothers nearly killed oh, the job. Oh, oh my god, god. dude. That so, finisher. I talk about the unsafe working conditions sometimes with current wrestlers. <laughs> Bro, these guys, no care in the world for this man's life. Uh no. the way the Beverly Brothers, the Shaker Heights, whatever the the finisher was called, um, the Shaker Heights spike. If anybody yeah, has that's what they called this, it. I never knew that. If anybody hasn't seen this uh, finisher by by just Google yeah. Beverly Brothers, you know, finisher, it'll come right up. Yeah. I mean, if you just go to YouTube, it's like a 10 second clip. Yeah. Me. Yeah. Right? Isn't it deadly? It's, it's brutal. It's, yeah. It's, it's brutal. crazy. It reminds they, me of when Triple H pedigreed that guy. And yeah. Exactly. Go to the arms, you know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah, like... That's immediately what I thought. <laughs> yeah. Right Nasty. on their head, dude. Yeah. Beverly's were definitely a little shaky with their. um you know their safety so not 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 like earthquake not truly professional but with that said um mike enos claim to fame gotta be the debut of uh one scott hall scott right? hall yep in the ring yep so i mean scott yeah respected otherwise i guess but that's yeah, how yeah, i yeah. remember him sure mm-hmm. in the ring and they tried a few times in wcw with mike enos they put him in tag teams and stuff mean uh, mike enos was he yeah i think he was with dick slater at one point they put the chaps on him you know stuff like right, that. right 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 and like we talked again about like vince you know taking these you know he took the fabulous one steve kern you know this like pretty boy and made him in the skinner and then this was the opposite where he took these. So Wayne Bloom and Mike Enos were the destruction crew in the AWA. And uh, he, you know, they were like just ass kicking dudes, you know, yeah. um, and they would wear like hard hats to the ring. Mm-hmm. And then Vince took them and made them these Beverly brothers, you know, but you can this one didn't have this one didn't have like a definitive um, like gimmick, quote unquote. I just know my man, Lanny Poffo, the genius, who we didn't yeah. mention. But um, they had like this scholar aspect, like they were just jocks, like a uh, prim and proper jocks mm-hmm. with the robes or something. I never, I never understood what they were supposed right, to. Right, that's what I'm saying. I don't. Yeah, know. like I, because like on their robes they have like yeah. stars on them and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Are they like cosmic dudes? Yeah, exactly. Like, that's how I, I didn't oh, get really? it. I always thought I, of it I like never, galaxy. Yeah. I never oh. got it. I never got it. Galaxy, and like you know, Lanny comes out and you know, of course, does his his poem, and it's mm-hmm. always fantastic the guy man that Look that good. like voice like just one of a kind man you know mm-hmm. um so yeah we won't get right spend too much time on the match after we just talked about every individual involved right <laughs> um <laughs> at the end of the day it's a count out victory for the beverly brothers guys exactly not yeah. much to it not a long match i gave this one a four out of ten frank would you have it I gave it three out of ten. Didn't sorry, I hate to say it, didn't really do much for me, but uh natural disasters never really have. So and the Beverly mm-hmm. Brothers, I don't dislike, but you know, they're in there with the natural disasters. So right. Three out of- I'm right in the middle of you guys. Three and a half out of ten. Probably my least favorite match of the show. Um, just because for some of the reasons we mentioned, I won't go back into them. But yeah. you get the the red, white, and blue ropes, the logo. I'm still here for it. I'm 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 always gonna watch this stuff on these videos. Yeah, the, you know, the it's still enjoyable. Yeah, I mean, it's funny, like when you just watch a time of wrestling that you like, it's yeah, exactly enjoyable, you know. One thing I did notice though, um, as I'm watching, like so we just watched one that's primarily like in the 80s, mm-hmm. and then we watched this one, which is primarily in the 90s, and we talk about it all the time where you sort of gravitate to what you grew up on 
And I'm like, wow, I'm definitely like an 80s wrestling guy. Yeah. Like, it's what I prefer. I love this stuff, too. Like, because there's like a 10-year run in wrestling that I will always love and always watch everything. I think 1992 is like, 1992 WMF is probably the greatest roster ever assembled in pro wrestling history. Mm-hmm. But I got to say, like, when I'm watching this as opposed to inside the steel cage i'm think i'm more like an 80s dude yeah and 90s which is interesting what's interesting too real quick is so this is 1993 we'll call it roughly that's only like five years before the business is completely different like stone cold steve austin the rock it's only five years and if you think right now 2023 2018 wrestling it feels like the same like there's no definitive difference i I don't feel like between 2018 and 2023 Mm -hmm. as much as there is 93 to 98 i don't know if you guys feel that way or do you yeah i mean i think different obviously the biggest difference is AEW's existence oh yeah that's true that's true um and i think that that kind of sparked a boom that's in pro wrestling but i i know what you're saying there's like what would you call yeah like this era you know you got the 80s you got the 90s you got the attitude era you got the yeah ruthless aggression but like the after indie, that it's like era exactly it's a D right. era i don't yeah. know i mean i don't think that's Could a be. crazy thing to call it you know what i mean either though yeah. you know in fairness because like since what like 2005 like you know like what's they had the pg era i believe yeah okay. they, I mean, that's what they like, called it but when did that sure. even start or end i don't know yeah yeah isn't it still pg punk was like in the pg era technically but he was cm punk in wwf but they have a name for that they have a name for like that uh cena it's not pg era i'm not sure i'm not sure i don't know like the brian the shield like what were those exactly yeah what was that era the scene era (laughs) so yeah we're not we're not talking about those eras we're talking about this era we're back to mr perfect one last time, I guess, right? This is yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I believe so. This is it. Did With he... the magnifying glass and all. He ends the show, though. He does end the show as well. This is... But this is like the last segment, right? Where he's looking for the stamp. Or you see him at the end, I believe. Right. You see, okay. him the, you see him at yeah. the very end, yeah. The, well, he's going to introduce this next one. This is a Coliseum exclusive. The only way to see this at the time was through Coliseum's home video release. Of Bastion in the USA. It is the great interrupter, Yokozuna, taking on Jeez. the dead man, the Undertaker, Gorilla Monsoon, and Lord Alfred Hayes back on commentary. Mm-hmm. Your referee for this one, the man that calls it right down the middle, Mr. Bill Alfonso. Let's talk about it. This is the main event, boys. So this is only two or three weeks before. Yoko wins the title. Wins the strap, yeah. From Brett, which is uh which travesty. explains why this is what it is as well, too. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. keep both guys, I guess, strong. I thought this was unfortunately a very poor segment. You know what I mean? Like, especially for feeling like the main event of the tape. You know what I mean? And like it's like it's exciting in theory. Not I mean not that Yoko's ever been in much that's like super exciting, but you know it's a big deal, Yokozuna. It's the Undertaker. Um, but it just ends up not being much of a match, you know, much of anything. I feel like besides like the intros, you know, so I was like, I was kind of let down because I feel like we give Yoko a hard time, you know, and I wanted to be like, all right, well, here's mm-hmm. maybe like hidden 
gym or something like that. And it's like, oh no, it's kind of like more why we kind of hate on Yoko. You know what I mean? Like, even if it's not his fault necessarily. Um, well, Frank's going to realize with these Coliseum videos, like a lot of times the last match is not the best match or even the top mm-hmm. three or four. Like sometimes they'll end yeah. it on a very random yeah. match. Yeah. Like a, a random tag felt, match or something. Yes. Yeah. Although these big, are big though. names. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. this felt like it felt like a proper main event, you know, I mean, you know, at least. But, you know, just it was just disappointing. Undertaker obviously looked super cool. Um Yoko in his entrance. I think Yoko has a presence, obviously. So, like, when he comes he out with Fuji and all that, it's cool. But, yeah. But then it just – it was over. It was over before it started, really, you know. And <laughs> no, not man, a whole lot to say, you know. Yeah, the the presentation, you said it with Taker and the entrance and, and Yoko and, and his pre-ritual yeah. ceremonies with the salt and all. It's all great. It all looks good. And then, like, they say the bell rings, you know, and then they have to have a match and you get – some of the i'll let you talk about it duke some of the the actual action but um the undertaker here like still rocking the gray with the um the things over the boots yeah still like the original undertaker and i think still my favorite taker i think as far as um eras of taker but yeah man i i don't know i was thinking the same thing like i'm so i'm trying not to be hard on yoko because like the guy's got a legacy and uh this this feud though man like takers had a lot of these feuds with like some of these giants that they don't translate the best and their match at the royal rumble 94 like where taker infamous you know famously ascends you know yeah 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 yeah. it's got like it's got a lot of layers to it their stories they've had casket matches they've had but uh i don't really think of this as like one of takers best feuds or even like top 10 when i think about takers feuds like this this yoko feud Mm -hmm. doesn't resonate with me during the long term but i don't know what do you think about all this duke yeah i mean like you guys mentioned you know the presentation is there you know um that I always thought Yokozuna's ritual in the beginning with the salt when the ladies would come out and give him the flowers. Like I thought that was super cool. And um, I think that he should have just done that in the middle of the card. That's all mm-hmm. because, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, the undertaker had this awesome entrance too. And he had this presence and he looked cool and he was big, but he could also wrestle, yeah. you know, Yokozuna was extremely agile you know, I'm not here to like disparage the dude. You know what I mean? But like right. my thing with Yokozuna is just that they gave him a bigger spot than I felt like he should have gotten. That's all. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think in this match, it just proves my point. <laughs> and don't feel bad about, you know, saying anything about Yokozuna because everybody crowns him. Yeah, like yeah, he's yeah. a goat, dude. You ask wrestling fans, like he's goaded. And it's my same problem with Roman Reigns. I think Roman looks great. I think he can, you know, he's finally found like his character and like he's a good looking dude and he's got the presence and then the bell rings Mm -hmm. and Roman Reigns to me can't have great matches unless it's this like theatrical performance. And with Yokozuna, it's the same thing. You mentioned the Royal Rumble match. It took, you know, whatever, 10 dudes to stuff. 10 heels. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like Undertaker. I like that casket that uh, that time period, so I forgive sure. forgive no, it. No, and but. that's but that's cool, and it's a cool match. It's fun. Yeah, but they needed ten other guys to get there. Right. Yeah, like it's not like he can just go in there 
guys, he wrestled Bret Hart at yeah. WrestleMania 10. Like and what, nine. <laughs> yeah, but like 10, you know, oh. it was like, I feel like a bigger match. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, and it is it a great match? You know, you're in right. there with Bret Hart and you can't have a great match. And Roddy yeah. Piper's the referee. Yeah, match. exactly. Like there's so much going on. So you we know? talk about um sometimes Roman Reigns uh, being like the most manufactured wrestler in WWE history. Uh, even like Edge, we say, is kind of like he was pretty kind of manufactured, if you ask us, or at least like they shoved him down your throat. Yoko, pretty manufactured when you think about it, like pluck oh, this guy um, sure. pre gimmick here. He was like kind of working some of the undercard off, you know, dark matches, but slapping him the gimmick, pushing on the moon. That's the luxury of, you know, fake wrestling is like you can make guys win everything and, and make us believe it. But sometimes no matter what you do, like fans like us might not just buy in and. And by the way, I don't hate Yokozuna. I hate the spot that he was given. Yeah. You know, like, because yeah, I yeah. liked his stuff with Earthquake. I liked his stuff with Hacksaw, you know, like yeah. where he's like, you know, this like threat and stuff like that. But like for him to hold the title for a year, like I'm good, man. It's not what I want to see for my fandom. It's not what I want to see. Right. I'm all about the chase. If you want to have a, a heel bad guy, I love mm-hmm. the Triple H was champion. You know what the mm-hmm. difference is? Triple H can wrestle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And like for me, like this isn't what I wanted. Anyway, we're not going to sit here and talk badly about Yokozuna. I do like Yokozuna. I just, my problem is his spot that mm-hmm. they gave him. I felt like he's the great interrupter <laughs> in the history of the World Wrestling Federation. That's my thoughts. For this match, not, not, not a whole lot going on. Not a whole lot to talk about. Short match, Yokozuna takes the salt bucket. He nails the Undertaker directly in front of the referee. I don't know if yeah. he doesn't know the rules of professional wrestling. <laughs> if Mr. Fuji didn't let him in, you know, what was going on. It's a DQ victory for the dead man. Uh, Gorilla Monsoon even mentions that uh, Mr. Fuji is going to be furious because he's going to get the short end of the purse here. <laughs> I love that. I love that Gorilla still like you know mentioning the winner gets the bigger purse um alfred hayes even at one point said it would be a, a big upset if the undertaker beat yokozuna yeah did how you about catch that, that? and it was yeah. just like what hey uh, yoko was unbeaten at this point yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so he's about the champ you know uh right yoko then goes for the bonsai drop after he he ko's taker pulls him in the corner goes for the big bonsai drop undertaker ain't have none of that he sits up dead man style, gets right out of there, and then delivers the weakest choke slam in the history of professional oh, yeah. wrestling. Brutal. Brutal choke slam. I thought the same thing. I was like, man, is there a worse taker? You know, close uh choke no slam? height. No height on that one. No, no height. There's that is the literal worst choke slam in the history yeah. of the business. It's just a back bump. He just happens yeah, to yeah, yeah. He just John. Yeah. Save save this match for us. Are we tripping? No, no. I mean, look, it's it's just protection. They're protecting the big man, Yoko, before the, his big moment, and they're protecting the dead man. I, I don't think we were getting um, – I think this is exactly what I expected, so I wasn't necessarily, like, losing my, my cool over it. I'm just going to rate it. I'm going to tell you right now, the fact that It'll we get the, straight. the DQ um, and all that stuff and for it being the final match on the tape, it was a little bit of a kind of like, eh, I wanted more. 
All that said, once again, it's the era, it's the presentation. I have a soft spot for it, so I'm going to go easy. I want to give it a nice, solid Bret Hart 4 out of 10. Mm, very <laughs> generous. Very generous. I will say this is all of it. All that's the same shit that John said. The uh, main event, the people involved, it felt huge. You know, like it felt important and all that. And it made it that much more of a letdown. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to cut his score in half and give it a two out of 10. Woo. That's lowest match lowest, on the card. Lowest right? rate L- lowest. for you. Is that and right? it's because of the expectations of, you know, the people involved, yeah. you know, not that Yoko, we, we just brutalized his whole career just now, but you know, <laughs> not that Yoko was that dude, but still he was a champion in the WWE undertaker is undertaker. You know, I just felt like it needed to be more. And it was like, man, it felt like a throwaway segment kind of, you know, but whatever, it's the main event. Five minutes is—I mean, it's just a quick five-minute yeah, match. By exactly. the way, five by the time the bell rings, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you guys notice real quick as uh, Yokozuna's heading to the back? Did you guys catch JJ Dillon? I did not. Back, yeah, I didn't. Oh, he's really? like back there, kind of like behind the curtain. Oh, how about that? Was That's funny. funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. So right, we go back to Mister Perfect one more time. Couldn't find a stamp. He didn't find the stamp. Uh, They have, you know, some more banter. And then he shows her his stamp book, Frank. What does he reveal? He reveals the perfect stamp. He already had it, guys. He already had had it the whole time. Of course he did. He was working us. That's what he does. He's a worker. So Mr. Perfect pulls out his stamp book. There's just one stamp in the book, guys. It's a nice Mr. Perfect stamp. Right in the middle. It's beautiful. He already had the perfect stamp. I don't know what he was looking for. I don't know. If he was, was trying. Just... I think he was trying, you know, get to know this young lady. And do you? I don't think she's on Mr. Perfect. That's not his no. level. Nah, yeah. not no. not perfect enough. Not perfect. No. <laughs> I'll tell you what. If the USPS said that that stamp is available tomorrow Yo. in stores. Oh, God. I, I, I own a Mr. Perfect sure. booklet of stamps 100%. tomorrow. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like, I don't even mail it. <laughs> I don't even know anything. <laughs> I can already see you guys text me. Yo, you want my perfect stamp? That's that. I'm at the. I'm at the post <laughs> yeah, right. I'll just start mailing you letters with the stamp for fun of it. So something that we like to do for Coliseum Classics, we like to pick a star of the tape, someone that you guys thought stood out to you, maybe made your experience more enjoyable. Just for this tape. John Boy, give me your star of the tape. This was really hard for this one, man, because we've done the star of the tape, and usually it's fairly straightforward. You could go a few different routes here. And, Frank, we don't really have a criteria. It's just the star of the tape, in your opinion. It is what it is. The only criteria for me, just to butt in very quickly, I try to not pick the same star of the tape just to not be repetitive. But you guys Mm. do you. Well, you may not have the star of the tape, because mine is very obscure. I'm going like deep dive here because oh wow, I got to give it to one Brooklyn brawler, Steve Lombardi. Wow. You eliminate Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels at the same time. And nobody ever talks about this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We, we talk about guys getting thrown out of the rumble all the time. Feuds are made over the, the eliminations. Mm-hmm. But this man eliminated the, the two legends of this, this uh, era. So, my obscure answer, just to kind of keep it a little little weird, is the Brooklyn Brawler, star mm-hmm. of Bash in the USA. 
Cool, right. cool. I will say, in an attempt to not be like Captain Obvious with like my selection, yeah, I'm gonna give it to the model Rick Martell. Ah, nice, nice. He was because in consideration I, for me. Yeah, because I think he's in the best match of the show, and he mm-hmm. and he handled himself well. We we talked about how he still looked good in that tag team match or whatever that was that six man six match. Man, yep. We talked about him looking good there, even, you know, considering it was a twilight of his career. And then he was even in that battle royal. I just think for this tape, right? Like he was featured a bunch. He looked good. I'm an AWA guy as well. Like in my heart, I have a little sweet spot for those dudes. So yeah, I'm going to say the model. I thought he looked good, you know, considering that this wasn't even like his era of, uh, you know, competitiveness in the WWF, you know? So I think it was a standout performance. This is one of his best matches you know, yeah. recorded in WWF happens to be with the greatest, you know, yeah, ring wrestling. Exactly. Yeah. But but this yeah. is a great serving size of, of model, so good choice. I mean, yeah, you're not going to get any argument, you know, from us about Rick Martell. Mm-hmm. So I'm cool with that. I'm also not going to pick like an obvious answer. Um, I'm going to go with for my star of the tape. Brett, Brett the hitman. The hitman <laughs> there it is. Yeah. <laughs> that was my obvious one. I was like, Brett's yeah. the man on the tape. But no, for sure. Yeah, and yeah. like, you know, I'm doing that because it's funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true though. I'm a bit of I'm a bit of a Bret Hart fan. I don't know if you guys knew this. It's um, accurate. But that segment with him, you know, drawing, and then mm-hmm. of course, yeah. like we like we said, exactly. Uh, exactly. It was all of our favorite match, him and the model. So I thought um overall the tape was fun. Um it's always nice to you know, hop in the old time machine and head back to the glory days, our glory days of pro wrestling. So we do like to give the videotapes, the Coliseum home videos, a nice letter grade to seal it up, to seal the deal, if you will. We haven't found the perfect tape yet. (laughs) Frank, is this the perfect tape? What do you got for a letter grade? It's not the perfect tape, but... If you asked Frank in high school if he'd take a C minus, it would have been a he would have been a very happy boy with a report card full of those. So that's what I'm gonna give this show C minus. C minus. All right, John Boy. Well, so in my in my wheelhouse here, right here, yep, ninety two, ninety three. We've reviewed a couple in this era, and I've always kept it real. Always try to shoot straight from the hip. I'll continue to do so. I'm gonna give it. You know, there's a lot of A plus wrestlers in this business. There's a lot of B plus players in this business. Edge, Adam Copeland, he just debuted in AEW. In my opinion, a B plus player. That's what this tape was a B plus. Wow. That's what this is. All right. Interesting. Once again, you know, we're always going to have a fondness for the stuff that we grew up with. Um, yeah, I think the tape was fun and. It was definitely when we talked about inside the steel cage, one of our big things, one of our big problems with that was there weren't enough full matches. Mm-hmm. We got full matches exactly. on this one, baby. We did. Like say what you want, but we at least got full matches. We got, you know, some nice little lead-ins to the mm-hmm. matches. Like even if it wasn't our favorite wrestler, Frank, you know, yeah. the little profiles, but they yeah, at least yeah, yeah. put in a little effort to like introduce us so i gave it a b minus overall i did enjoy it um although i like the profiles i would have preferred like more of like the off 
off-site stuff, like yeah, maybe show Sean, I don't know, shopping or whatever, you know what I mean? Because, like, I like these tapes because you get this mix of all these different matches. Mm-hmm. And, like, to watch three of the same dude in a row, yeah. even if it is Sean, like, for me, I'd rather, like, you know, spread it out a little bit. Still very enjoyable. Um, If you're a fan of 90s wrestling, you know, early 90s wrestling, because it's a whole different animal, late 90s. But uh, it was fun. It was a nice fun tape um, yeah, you get you get obscure matchups <clears throat> yeah you know you get your favorites from that era for me i had brett sean perfect martel star of the tape could have been any of them you know there was just so much uh visually you get the early tatanka you know we got macho man on commentary you get a mix of jim ross on commentary there's so much here for any fan of the early 90s that when we're talking about this this uh coliseum video stuff it's hard to find that perfect tape like but you know We'll get there. This yeah. one was fun. This is why we this is why we do this. We gotta we're on a quest. We're gonna do all these Coliseum home videos. We're gonna find that perfect tape. Hopefully, <laughs> fingers crossed. Mm-hmm. Before we head out, well, it could one, be um, it could be the next one we review. Um, let's because... not jump the gun now, pal. Okay. I want to get your thoughts before we head out. If you have any closing thoughts on Bashed in the USA. I thought. Oh my bad. Sorry, Frank. I want to. I want to save you for last. Okay. Okay. I have a special question for you. For me, uh, closing thoughts. Just more like I said, that era is just near and dear to my heart. I think it was cool to see the transition period they were in. Like you said, some of the older guys were starting to fade. DiBiase, Martel, some of the younger guys were coming up. Sean, Brett. I will say, for my personal fandom, this was the first time my Bret Hart fandom was threatened. Because a young oh. up and copper, a young up and coming Shawn Michaels, you know, I didn't, I didn't have a father. This stuff happens. Wow. I was, I was so into Shawn at this time, ninety two Shawn. Um, so I just love this era so much, and yeah, I'm glad we reviewed this one. This one was up there for me. Me too, and it's it's funny that you like remembered this and. You would. This was one that you rented. I think that's kind of cool. You know, yeah, it's first I'd rather go in blind, but I do think it's neat that like this was one that you would go to. And I am also glad that you grew up and you realized who your mm-hmm. true favorite wrestler yeah. is. That's smartened up. Van Hart. Frank, this is before your time. Yeah. So how did you enjoy hopping in the time machine, heading back, Coliseum home videos, bashing the USA? How'd you enjoy your experience watching this old stuff? And do you have any closing thoughts on Bashed in the U.S.? Mm. So I enjoyed it. I, uh, you know, you hit a lot of the, like, the hits for me. You had Razor right away. You had Brett a couple of times. Listen, even Shawn Michaels being in there is not, as much as it's not a hit for me, it's, like, what I'm used to in this, you know, fandom of pro wrestling. I get that I got to deal with the dude. You know what I mean? So it's, like, it's interesting you did interesting matchups which i'm always a fan of you know there's i just talk about how i don't don't love battle royals but it's cool to see so many guys you know what i mean you get to see a bunch of dudes featured in one match whatever i thought the whole deal was fun um i'm a wrestler you know fan you know so it's sort of like i like to see matches and all that Mm -hmm. but going into this i knew that's not what this was going to be i knew this was going to be you know something like what we got and like you know some silly stuff some over-the-top stuff, but I think it's appropriate for the era. I thought it was fun. Um, Yeah, and I was, it, it was cool. It was just cool to see. Like, that Razor thing, I really enjoyed that match, you know, because it was just cool to see that 
version of early Razor. You know yeah. what I mean? Just seeing the crowd. There's a dude who jumped out so pissed off when Razor won that match. You know what I mean? And it was like, yeah, that's, you know, it's like you miss. If you watch it again, as soon as Razor rolls out of the ring, just this yeah. dude runs over to him. He's so hot. Um, <laughs> you know, so like overall, I thought it was fun. Listen, I don't know when I'm going back to this show personally. You know what I mean? But it was cool to see. I'll remember Razor. I'll remember the model and boss man. I mean, and Brett. And, um, you know, it'll, you know, I'll stick. Maybe I go back to that match. I did enjoy that match. Mm-hmm. So what post, guys- this is a uh, post Hogan post, you know, and flares yep. and, uh, on his way out. So this is um all a kind of, you know, matches on commentary. So you're getting the start of the new generation. Yeah, exactly. You, yeah. And you can see that they're headed that way with Brett and Sean specifically, you know. Real quick about Razor. Do you guys see him, like, when you think Razor Ramon, is he a good guy or a bad guy? Funny enough, I think good guy. Me too. Razor, yeah. Me too. You know? Okay. Yeah. So I is that maybe what we prefer? I don't know. Because I do love the bad guy, Razor. It's yeah. tough. Yeah, it's no, tough. I think I like the good Yeah, I, I like the name, the bad guy. I like that yeah. everybody loved Razor, though. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Like, I love that he was loved. Yeah, yeah. I think he of was him being kinda, Sean. He was you know, the, yeah, he was one of the know? starters of like the kind of like dude with Anti-hero. the hero. Yeah, 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 got yeah. Cheered, you know, because he didn't really ever change anything. He just no. slapped up Money Inc., you know, mm-hmm. when they made fun of him. But yeah, I wanted to ask you guys out before we had it out. I just actually spotted that fan that just goes ape shit when <laughs> Racer wins. Oh <laughs> yeah, man, is that yeah, hilarious? He's so hot. Yeah. He is so <laughs> mad about that. Yeah. Great. So, Razor Ramon, one of the stars of the tape for sure. Mm-hmm. You guys familiar with his uh, longtime buddy Kevin Nash? Heard of him? Because... That's number five, uh, number six or seven of my all-time favorite list. I don't have in front of me, but that's my man right there. He's so you guys are familiar. Frank are familiar Spade. with uh, his gimmick known as Diesel? Mm. Because oh, for the funny. next episode of Coliseum oh. Classics. We're heading right to nice. Big Daddy Cool Diesel. Cool. That's yes. the name. That's the name of the tape. Could be the perfect so tape. For, yeah. Might be. For, for episode nine, we're going to focus on Big Daddy Cool Diesel. You can find all of these Calcium Home videos presented in the you know the truest form possible on Peacock. So be sure to follow us along. We want you guys to take the journey with us. We're on the journey to find the perfect Coliseum home video. So tune in next time, episode nine, Big Daddy Cold Diesel. Before we head out, do you guys have anything else to share with our listeners? Well, well, it's the Halloween season. So uh, I know that, you know, the three of us gentlemen, when we shift over to No Soul, we want to talk about some of the supernatural characters in wrestling. This is right up Frank's alley. So uh, I'm excited to talk about that stuff with you guys next week. It's spooky season. Frank, you got spooky anything season. on the layout? Nope. Go watch a Vampiro match for Halloween. Yeah. And, uh, you know, get him over some more because I want to see him at a show out here in L.A. <laughs> so tune in to... No Sold, a wrestling podcast. You can catch that. We're going to talk about all the the spooky, the supernatural characters of professional wrestling, past and present. 
This has been Palestinian Classics, and that's the tale of the tape.